This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard, and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Hey, everybody. Oh, mate, it is hot. It is. Uh, summertime is well and truly here. I'm not dealing well with it. My apartment doesn't have air conditioning. It's terrible. Well, I will say, though, that if you and I are hot sitting here in in, in a football and basketball jersey, respectfully, imagine how hot Lee Hanjapatelis is feeling right now in his full 1920s zoot suit with his fedora as he'll tell anyone who listened that the Tigers were just about to turn the corner and everything was going to be fine only for him and the rest of the board to be unfairly railworded a, a week and a half before Christmas, no less. <laughs> this isn't a very Merry Christmas for Lee Hazzy Fantellas. Really I always wonder, isn't. like speaking of like getting around in like a suit and a and a jacket and a coat mm. in the summertime, like when you read like Raymond Chandler novels and they're all set in Los Angeles. Yeah. And you know, the the protagonists are always very well dressed men in suits. I always wonder, like, was there a sweating problem? Like, how did they sort of navigate that? Like, no, no, no. I don't know. Maybe uh, like just sheer, sheer alcoholism. Sweating, like just sweating was one. created by deodorant companies. It didn't exist before that. Really? Well, that's yeah. what the woke left doesn't want you to know. Exactly right. And but, we're just um, we're, we're just asking <laughs> questions. That's true. I mean, I, I saw a lot of um, Lee Hadjibatelis and um, Tommy DeVito's agent on the sideline of that football game. How good's, the other day. How good's Tommy DeVito? Man, it's a great story. But that dude looked straight out of a mob movie. It was fantastic. I, I thought it was a bit, but apparently he dresses like that all the time. So, if you, yeah, that like dressing, dressing like that, and being that person, and managing someone named Tommy DeVito, which is that's Joe Pesci's character's name in Goodfellas. It's so funny. It it's actually unbelievable, genuinely is. dude. It's like, the best. You've got it. You've got to commit to the to the bit on that one, man. You you can't just be yeah. slinging around some low quality gabagool. You've really got to be cooking the ziti, as it were. That's right. Right on. Um, and Tigers fans were saying mad on when they when they saw the news yesterday that the final. I mean, uh, we did a little Patreon bonus one yesterday with with Mads and Simon, two big Tigers. Both of them said it was the second best day in the club's history after the 05 Premiership. Doesn't that break your heart, man? Yes. Like, the second best day of the time supporting the club is a boardroom a boardroom massacre. Yep. I mean, to be fair, if you if if you'd asked what was I. 14 year old Bungard that in 2004 when Shane Richardson was hired at South, like probably would have been pretty close to number one for me as well. So, I no, kind of, no way, kind of, come on. Well, it'd be, I mean, it'd be reinstatement that time we beat the storm and then richer. So, <laughs> you, honestly, 14 year old Bungard wouldn't have even known who Shane Richardson is. 14 year olds aren't running around the park saying, No, but look, look. Look, Dad, I've successfully balanced the budget sheet. No, Look. no, they do, they they aren't. But when you read one news story and it's like, this guy was just at the Penrith Panthers who won the premiership. And then you watch the footy show. And I remember because Sterlo said, this is the most important uh, appointment Souths have made since their reinstatement. At that point, I was in. And it worked out. So I'm really happy for them. I hope that they can have some sort of belief and some self-worth and some pride in their rugby league team, which just hasn't been there for the last few years, which I think is honestly what it all comes down to. Like, only one team gets to win the comp at the end of the day, right? But you and to so me and to a lesser extent, you have both like been pretty proud of our club's accomplishments over the last few years. And, you know, they just haven't had anything even close. They haven't had a morsel of professionalism or any semblance of happiness to cling to really at all. Yeah. Look, this, this move has been a long time coming. I think it was pretty clear that what was going on at the Tigers wasn't going to be tenable. I think the second that that sort of independent, review from the Holman Barnes group was ordered 
couple of months ago, something like this was always going to happen. I am surprised that it's to this extent, that it's a mm. total remodeling of the board, dropping it from seven members down to four. Um, I think Haji Pantelis has very much been pushed, but I think Justin Pascoe has, like, has, you know, voluntarily walked away. Um, I like the idea of them getting Shane Richardson in. He's someone who's been really successful at three different clubs. He helped get Cronulla up to a pretty high level in the mid to late 90s. Then he joined Penrith and, and sort of helped them on the way to the 03 Premiership. And then, and then as you mentioned before, he took over Southman. They were at a really low ebb, and I think he played a big role in their transformation from, you know, a bit of a laughing stock to one of the richest mm. and most powerful clubs in the entire league. Somebody sent a clip out somewhere. I can't remember who it was. It might be nothing but West Tigers, which is a good Twitter account for, you're not going to believe this, West Tigers news and opinion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, what if they you want something their... other than the West Tigers? Well, then don't go there. Ah, okay. Don't bowl nothing there. but don't the West bowl... Tigers. Don't bowl there, son. Okay. Um, but yeah, anyway, so they, I think it's a clip from James Graham's podcast and mm, I saw this. Yeah. Yeah. Dane yeah. Richardson was talking about how like people are really low on the Tigers, but there's a lot of like, not, I don't want to say potential because it's a club that's been running on potential for too long, but there's resources there to be used. And as much as this, uh, this exiting board has been rightfully smashed for the way the team's been going on the field, off field, I think they've done some good things like Getting the center of excellence out of Concord is a, was a really big thing for them. It just brings them uh, into line with other clubs in terms of the professionalism of their facilities. That's a really big deal. You know, I think they've done some really good stuff with their junior pathways over the last couple of years. And I think we're going to start seeing the benefits of that in the next couple of seasons. But fans don't watch their footy club every week to read, to hear about, you know, centers of excellence and how the SG ball team did. At some point, someone's got to pay the price of what's happening on the field. And there's been a thousand coaches that have paid the price and a thousand players that have paid the price. And at some point, it's got to go beyond them. It's got to go to the people who are picking the coaches. It's got to go to the people who are selecting the people that are selecting the team, you know? So I like Richardson getting there and running the day-to-day. I really, really like that for them. I think that could be a really big boost for if they're chasing someone like Jerome Luai or Adam Fanua Blake. Because Richardson is someone who has great reach in rugby league. He's like a power broker and a kingmaker. He knows how to shake hands and slap backs and get deals done. Like I think mm. about the big role that he played in getting Greg Inglis up to Souths hey. from the Storm. Yeah. When when it, when not only was Greg Inglis not on the market anymore, um, he, he signed with Brisbane. He was like booked to fly to Brisbane to the start, to, You can't to fly to in the rain. Everybody knows that. You yeah. Can't fly and, in the rain. and and I'm not saying it was you know one phone call from Richardson that that sort of turned the tide, but he played a, a big part in that, you know? So you go sort of like the experience and the old world cachet of, and the backroom power of Richardson, plus like, you know, the, the younger touch and the charisma of Benji Marshall. I think that's a really compelling on-field, off-field duo, you know? And I think, honestly, I think the biggest thing here as well is like, there's always going to be leaks at any footy club. That's just the way it is. But the Tigers were the leakiest ship I've ever oh known my in my entire life. Like I was talking to, a couple of months ago, I was talking to someone who 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 coached them once, and that doesn't exactly narrow it down because they've had ten thousand coaches. But I was talking to this coach, and we were talking about West and how it was going and all that sort of thing. This was after Tim Sheens had been moved on, and he pretty much said there had been times when he'd been meeting with the board about football stuff, and before he'd left the room, he'd gotten a text or a call from a journalist asking for comment on what happened in the meeting. You know, wow. it's just it was it's as leaky as a ship as you can possibly imagine. You know, and that just makes it hard to do stuff. It's yeah. hard to do stuff when every single move is being played out on the back page of both newspapers. I also mm-hmm. think that, like, spinning off that, 
Tigers fans often, especially online, um, say things like, oh, we, we get used for headlines. We're constantly, you know, the, the, the butt of the joke and all these stories on, on Fox or, or Fairfax or the Telegraph or whatever, or wherever else. But the reality was it was because of the, what you just said. It was because that there was you could go to these guys that were running this club for a quote anytime you wanted, basically. And like nothing was off limits. And that's not an environment that cultivates success. It's certainly not an environment that if you're like a really professional person, be it a coach or a player, that's certainly not something that you would see. And everyone sees this stuff. It's certainly not something that you would see and go, oh, that's a, that's a place I want to be a part of. And I had someone yesterday... Uh, just a, just a mate of mine, just we were talking about footy and he said, oh, well, I mean, but what does Barry O'Farrell know about running a club? And I was like, well, mate, like it doesn't really, it's not so much what Barry O'Farrell knows about running a club. It's the fact that the guys running this club were, and I'm not exaggerating yet, the biggest buffoons to be associated with a rugby league club that I can really remember. Like to the point where, as as we said at the top of this show, like the, the, we had multiple Tigers fans on here yesterday saying it's the second best day in their club's history. Like the, the way that club was won was an actual embarrassment. They deserve some credit for a couple of the players that they got in in the last in, in the last couple of years with with Papali'i and and um Coruscant and Clemmer and a couple of other guys. But apart from that, like you look back at, on their tenure in the last few years and you think like, what on earth have you done? Like the center of elections got built. That's great. That the the in a bit of a better financial position that's allowed them to play more games at like at Campbelltown. But like, it was just like a coaching carousel that didn't the, the work. End product, the end product, the end product, it has to be the on-field team. Yeah, exactly. You team. can have all these, you can have all and these everything trimmings. Else, yeah. Everything else, that's everything great. else can be going well, but if the but, team's not winning eventually, eventually something. You can have it. the best training facilities on earth, but when you win back to back with the spoons, it doesn't really fucking matter. No one's going to want to go there. So that, that, I think they're trending in the right direction now. I think that this is a, a, a seismic move for the West Tigers, a club that you and I both like, and a club that, I mean, we're, I'm already trying to stop myself from making them the team of the podcast for 2020. Yeah, I know. But... We're gonna we're gonna have to mm. we're gonna have to do something about that. If you hear us in February saying, "I really like the Tigers squad," you yeah. know, I was down there the other yeah. day, and, yeah, you know, yeah, Benji yeah. seems to be don't doing let us do it. Don't let us do it. Don't let us do it. Because this is the other thing. Like off-field stuff is far more of a slow burn than on-field stuff. You can sign a player or get a coach and that can transform your team like that, right? Getting getting Richo in and, and, and having a much more professionally run club is going to bear fruit long-term. But that doesn't necessarily mean that now in February and March and April and May, like they're going to just be a better team because of the dudes off the field being more professional. Like Richo's not out there. Richo's not calling plays for them. On offense, you know, like Junior uh, Tupo, uh, Junior Tupo is going up to take a highball, and he's like, you know what? We've got a lot more corporate stability now, yeah. so I feel a lot more stability under this highball. But look, I feel like uh, they're in a much better position to succeed than they were mm. beforehand, and I guess that's all you can ask for. Yeah, it might take a couple of years, but as a, and as I said yesterday, I think this does put them in a much better position if they do want to take a big swing and try to get one of those massive agent signings in either for Neil Blake or Lua. Probably not both. I don't think any team is going to be able to get both. But that, that... West, West reckon they got the space. Yeah. Well, there you they go. Do. Like, I mean, that would be, that'd be something. If you get those two guys in there, that is, you talk yeah. about. They'd probably have to make some moves. To... Like, it, I, I wouldn't, this is, again, this is not any sort of inside mail. I wouldn't be surprised if they signed for Neil Blake and then they end up shipping out Papali'i to mm. somewhere um, mm. or maybe even Clamour. There was like a, Bit of talk for a hot minute there that Clemmer was going to go to Penrith or something like that, but I do think getting both of them is a possibility for them. Wow, that'd be I do, I do, I do think it's a chance. Yeah. All right. Well, Tigers fans, happy times are here again. Allow yourself to gronk out a little bit and just believe. It's fun. It's more fun when you have hope. It's not fun when you're 
like any any sport really when you just support a team and there's no prospects and you're a bit of a joke and there's not really you cling to like a young player you hope he's going to be the next xyz but it rarely pans out but this is an actual tangible thing that we've seen in the past bear fruit for multiple clubs in in chain richardson so fantastic for them good for them hope it works out um the boys went to Las Vegas on the weekend, Camper. We had uh, Campbell Graham and Aaron Woods on the on the Fox broadcast. I found that segment a bit, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't love it. I didn't love it, Nick. And I love Campbell Graham and I don't dislike Aaron Woods. Look, uh, this this to me has been really interesting. Not so much in any sort of success that this mm. Vegas jaunt will have. Um, it's more just how it was kind of received and really, really dissected by the sporting people back here. You know what I mean? And we saw all the classic stuff. We saw the people that get really bent out of shape when Americans call it rugby instead of rugby league. I don't care, by the way. I, I, I look. I don't. I don't care either. I don't care either. Like if you're trying to get the Yanks in, I call it rugby them, when I'm talking to Americans about let the sport. Them, yeah, let them let them call it rugby, and then we'll figure it out later. You know, yeah. like it doesn't. It rugby union has a greater greater brand name recognition over there. Piggyback off the back of that, like who cares? Yeah. You know, but like I, I don't know. To me, as well, this this thing on the on Monday Night Football, in the midst of a classic, by the three way, nil. Like a three nil victory. You got to love that. It sort of shows some of the difficulties that they're gonna have getting this Vegas stuff over the line. Not in terms of getting the games there because the games are happening there. Not even in terms of getting people betting on it because people will bet on literally anything. Correct, but. For, for that sort of process to happen, for that gambling money to come in, which is what they want and it's what this is all about, they need to have a veneer that this is actually about getting Americans to watch this sport and care about it. And I just don't know if they if the NRL has it in them to create a convincing enough facade to make that happen, you know? Because if you look at the way that they were trying, the, the talking points that the players had been oh, the, you, you the way have, they were trying We could have guessed it. it. We could have guessed yeah. it. All the stuff about, oh, yeah. You oh, know, we, don't, we don't wear hats and helmets. Hats Good and luck. Helmets. Hads and, did I say hats and helmets? <laughs> hats and helmets. Uh, <laughs> well, well, they don't wear those either. So, <laughs> yeah, but there was the classic, like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, there's no there's no breaks. We don't, we don't yeah, stop for like, a breather every play. It's such, a, it's such a, it's such like an outdated way of promoting the sport. Don't you call know, this I, sport shit. Like, what are you doing? That, like, yeah, that, that's, that's the thing. And, like, Americans have a, pretty good understanding of what rugby is now. Yeah. Like rugby's made some really big strides over the, over the last um, it was in the Olympics. 20 years or so. And because of, and I'm going off the deep end here, but because of globalization and because of the internet, because it's so easy for Americans to come across footage of different sports now, that sort of stuff that, oh, they're not even, these guys, these guys aren't even wearing any pads. It loses yeah. its power. Like there was some random American sports Twitter account. I don't even remember what it was, but it was just one of those, one of those aggregator ones. Was the Paleocena thing? Yeah, and they tweeted yeah. they, they 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 tweeted a clip of AF to Paleocena, a favorite of yours and mine. Yeah, like just like ripping it off. The That's back how you sell charging it. into some blokes. The clips and they, they showed said, in this segment were bizarre as well, by the way. Yeah, and it was some shit like, oh, you know, when when you're trying to get house to house for Halloween or whatever, and all the comments were like, what the fuck is this guy doing? It's like, you know what I mean? So like, it's not totally foreign to them now. You know, mm. like if you if you spend any time watching footy highlights on YouTube. It will come up in your recommendations. American reacts to Benji Marshall or Jamal Idris or whatever. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of that shit around now. And I sometimes wonder if they actually know how to set, like if the powers that be at the NRL know what parts of this game to sell. Like it became apparent in that 
five minutes that they don't. Yeah. Well, like, what was some of the stuff that was on the highlight reel that they were trying to sell? Well, mate, it was what? It was Aaron Woods taking a hit up. I think it was Ola Kowatsu going through untouched to score a try. And then Campbell Graham, like, had, like rushing off, like, a half tackle from, like, I think it was Reese Walsh or someone and diving over to score. It was like, they weren't inspiring highlights. I'll tell you that much. Mm. Like, show, like, there's, there's so, like, just show a really sick try. Show a massive hit. Like show one that got someone fined. It doesn't matter. They don't know. They don't know. There, there's like, a, on the on the NRL ad for Vegas. There's two shots that had people that got people sent in. Oh, good, fantastic. Yeah, yeah show that <laughs> stuff. Like I, I just found it strange that the clips they showed in that minute, which look ads are great. Obviously, ads are great. But like that having an because that segment was shown on the Fox broadcast in America with you know, 10 million people watching that game or whatever. Like that was their biggest chance to make an impact and maybe try to get people to care. And I think they, I really do think they dropped the ball a little bit. I don't think sort of, I, I like Aaron Woods and I, I and Campbell Graham. And I don't really think they, I don't really think they prepped them properly on what they should say. Like it became apparent that Aaron Woods was kind of just, you know, parroting off some, as we said, like some outdated talking points and kind of just sort of playing it off the hip. And then, yeah. And then the, the clips they showed were just totally uninspiring. They were stuff that I don't think, would make a highlight reel of any kind in like here. A far, so... a far cry from uh, when, when Jared Hayne was playing for the 49ers and they had some para highlights of him um, in the, in, in mm. the middle of a game somewhere in like a segment and him blowing past Josh McCrone and Bill Tupo to score against the Raiders mm. <laughs> that, that made it on there. So Bill yeah. Tupo, Monday night football alumni, you got to love that. Fuck yeah. But that's I thought the it thing, was, right? I thought it was weird, man, that people were complaining about the players that they. That sent. doesn't make any sense. And our like, good oh, friend. Well, why did we? Why did we send Latrell? Why did we? They send don't know who Joe the fuck Latrell like, Mitchell and Tom Tuivasa are. Any of them are. They it doesn't make a difference. Yeah, they could. So, we could have got an actor and just said it was a player, and they wouldn't have known. Yeah, I can see why they picked the guys they did. Right, so they picked Woodsy because he's a good talker. Yep, and he is, and he is a good talker. Like, he is. He's going to end up yeah. being in the media for twenty years. He went, and when you talk to him. Person to person, he's very friendly. He's very engaging. He knows how to do this sort of stuff. They sent Campbell Graham because he's tall, mm. 100%. They sent Billy Walters because he's not. And they were like, look at this guy and look at this guy. And they both play this sport. Isn't that crazy? And they sent they sent Spencer. I think they sent Spencer because he's Polynesian. Did he do you anything? Know? I didn't see him on well, the uh, Well, I think it, he was more about like connecting with a lot of the fans. Oh, okay. That. Like Andrew, yeah, cool. Andrew Webster wrote a column about it. And he said that the most, the person who sort of like, stood out the most when they were just talking to your rank and file Yanks was Spencer because a lot of the rank and the, the rank and file Yanks have like some of them have, you know, Hawaiian backgrounds or Polynesian backgrounds or from American Samoa or something like that. So that's why they picked those four guys. Mm. Yeah. Which is fine. I just, yeah, I thought it could be handled a little bit better, but that's okay. I think having any presence at all on like a, like, you know, the afternoon slate on a Fox NFL game is a big deal. That's a big deal no matter what. Like there'd, there'd be more people watching that than watching the NRL Grand Final easily. So I think, you know, that's cool. I just think that it's a shame that it wasn't we, – we didn't really put our best foot forward in terms of selling the product. Oh, League never, anyway. league, league, league never does, man. Yeah. League never but, does. Um, that's And that's not a criticism of this current administration. That's just a reality no. of this sport over the 128 years that it's existed. You know, <laughs> League never puts its best foot forward. They should have just shown the uh, fat and, and chief eating chilies. Can you imagine? Yeah. What if we said? What if we? What if we just went straight to the vomitron? Oof. I don't know if that. I think you got to work your way up. You got. You got to. You got to build up a. You got to build up a tolerance. I think. I think so. If you'd like to read more about uh, rugby league's intrusions into the United States, log on to abc.net.au/sports/nrl because I'm going to have a yarn up there 
about the time the Kangaroos played the Tomahawks in Philadelphia in 2004. The Tomahawks led 24-6 at halftime. And what happened in the second half isn't important. It's not. It's really not. Um, Only some really tiny signing news. Well, tiny to some, seismic to me. And that is that Corey Allen uh, is continuing on his journey to play for every club in Sydney by signing with the St. George Illawarra Dragons on a one-year prove-it deal in 2024. Why didn't he go to the Dolphins? I don't know. Go to the Dolphins. Play for Wayne. Let's do it all again, man. Come yeah. on. He's only 25. I think he could play for he every is? club. That would be cool. He's he's fast becoming an NRL grid king. Oh, isn't he? Just? Which is good stuff. Okay, so so Corey Allen, obviously, very very close to your heart. Um, you, you how much of how what percentage of his success in 2020 do you personally claim? I think we settled on 10. 10 percent. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Do you want him to eventually find a club where he can be a consistent, productive starter and he goes on to have a nice back into his career? Or do you want this nomadic stuff to keep going and have 2020, as time goes by, continue to stand out more and more as like a shining example of how he put it together for one very short period of time? Oh, it's tough. I think I'd rather be happy for Corey to just find find a home, a proper home, and become like an every week NRL player. And look, it doesn't help that, since he left South, he went to the two clubs that I hate. So now he's at a club that I just kind of feel indifferent about. Well, so that's, you're, that's you're, you're, even before this, you were you're a little bit high on the Dragons. You're a little bit yeah. sweet on them. Well, I think this could be the sign that puts them over the top. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Ravalara <laughs> on one side, old, Allen on the other. That's equally potent wingers. Poor old Corey. I don't actually think he's a utility outside back. I think he's a fullback and nothing else. I agree with that. <laughs> I don't like him on the wing. I don't like him on he the He was center. never, ever good but, on the uh, wing for South. But no, he really wasn't. But at fullback, he can really... Yeah, do some. Stuff. It's just a shame so, that fullbacks, like basically since Alan came into the league, has been like such a deep position where there's so yeah. many dudes that want to play fullback, and there's just not that many spots. Yeah, so. I know, I know. But uh, yeah, Godspeed, Corey Allen. I friend, mean, but like, friend of the show. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. also think that like, Flano's a bit of a no nonsense coach, right? And you yeah. know who loves nonsense? Tyrell Sloan. He's full of nonsense. <laughs> so like, there could there's a world where like after like the fourth or fifth game where Sloan makes no attempt to tackle a guy after he runs through the line, that like. Planet says fuck this and gives gives Corey Allen a go. I don't think that's beyond the realms of I I, I we were being kind Wait. of funny before. I genuinely don't think that's beyond the realm. I would say that if you're ranking all the fullbacks in the league, right? Sloan's towards the bottom. I'd say there's a realistic and chance that if he top. has a no, 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 no. I'm I'm trying to actually be serious for once okay, about Corey Allen, okay. which is hard for me to do. But like there's there's not many clubs where you could credibly say, like, if this guy has a rough few weeks, I could see Allen taking his spot. But I think honestly, the Dragons actually might be one of those clubs. Am I crazy for saying that? Oh, look, maybe, maybe. I don't know what they're going to do at fullback. They've got Lomax as well. He's making noise about wanting to give fullback another try. Like, you know, but, you know, why not? Love that. Top five center when he's actually good. But, you know, go play somewhere else and, like, see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Uh, uh, The Tigers have signed a Super Rugby outside back, Solomon Alamalo, for the 2024 season. Uh, Neither of us know who he is, but we agree that he has a cool name. Cool name. Highlights are pretty cool. Good luck to your son. Runs a bit like Tim Simona. Oh, okay. Speaking of cool, like, mate. With his gait. Um, it's really hot in here. Yeah, it's so but warm. The car the car, we just added a new air conditioning system to it. So it's actually oh, like sitting you? in a free. It's amazing. Like you can't sit oh, there too man. long, obviously, because you'll you you Yeah, you'll freeze die to death. and all but, that. Like, bro, let, let's go down there. Let's and, like, go sit in the car for a few minutes. Bit. Let's check it out, man. All right, I, I got a confession to make. I, I I lured you into the car under false oh, pretenses. But what pretenses were those? Uh well, it's just that like I kind of like you always talk about this game that Terry Campisi played, and I've never actually seen it. So I thought we could maybe go back. 
and watch it together. Would you like we to could, do that? We could have some sort of boom rewind. Yeah. Let's right, do it. I'll start it up. Eight, Nick. Oh, what a year. I look at McDonald's again. Fuck. The centenary <laughs> of rugby league. Oh, what a, oh, can we talk about the sick Gaznier English try? Yeah, of course. Of oh, course. good. So, good. All right, thank this God. is the latest installment of our Boom Rewind series where we each where we pick out a season. Uh, not necessarily a season where a team won the comp or something like that, but just a season that for one reason or another is extremely interesting to us and has a lot of Fun stories to tell and fun things to remember. Our first one was on the 2003 Rabbitohs, which was for Bungard. The second one was on the 2009 Bulldogs, which was for the listeners. And the third one is on the 2008 Raiders, and that's for me. This is mm. my Christmas gift to myself. I was, I was very Christmas, Nick. I was initially a little bit surprised you wanted to do this one because obviously we'll get to the main story later on in this bit, which is still even now, 15 years later, a very sore point for a lot of your fan base, like. Some say it's one of the lowest moments in in your club's recent history, with with everything that happened to a particular playmaking, uh, shall we say, uh, miscreant. Well, I can't afford therapy, so this is the next best thing. That's fair, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to that later. But we'll start. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mentioned I was still working at McDonald's, doesn't eight. What were you doing? We were in year nine, year eight, year ten. I was in okay. year ten. Out, I was in year ten out at St Greg's. Um, so the thing about two thousand and eight is it's just before two thousand and nine. So if you listened to our Bulldogs episode the other day, and we always start these episodes with talking about where we were around this time, um, yeah, just go, just go give that another listen. Because I will say though, I think oh eight and oh nine were pretty similar for me. They were, um, I, not a lot of time, but that is obviously the timeline where I went from working at McDonald's to working in sports media, where I've stayed ever since. So like, there was a pretty big jump for me in that regard. But still, still flipping well, burgers and well, that, yeah, I was going to say that was oh nine. Oh eight was just yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just that's strictly that's strictly working at at, at Padstone Macca's. Reesby, mate. Reesby Macca's. Sorry, I always get that mixed up. It's okay, they're both fine institutions. <laughs> <laughs> sister, <laughs> sister Macca's. If by the way, um, I will say 2008. Um, I came into that year as optimistic as I'd ever been rugby league wise. Cause of course in 2007 South made the finals for the first time That's in my right, life, yeah. in my entire life, Nick. And I'm now what? 20, uh, 19, I'm 20. So like, I'm 18, 19, 19, somewhere around there. And yeah. So the first time in my life, they made the finals. So I'm thinking, yeah, maybe, maybe, oh, wait, maybe, uh, maybe some good things are on the horizon. Uh, they, they lost the first seven games. Of the season. <laughs> they lost 10 the of, they lost seven. 10 of the first 11. Oh, they were, brother. They, they were 10 and one in round 12. Oh man, so I, I I like I have very vivid footy memories from around this time. I remember it looked like I was sort of around that time when it was becoming as important to me as as it is now. Mm. And I remember like you know when Souths had those horrible early years, and I remember 06, which was nearly as bad as as two, three, and four, and all that. And I remember 07 when they made it, but 08, I I got to tell you, I did not remember them being that bad. Yeah, because my defining memory for Souths in 08 is Chris Sando. 
Well, I mentioned that they were Chris one Sando and debuted, ten. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Go on. Well, yeah, I mentioned they were one and ten. He comes in at one and ten, debuts against the Warriors, win by the next week, and they win four more after that. So they get twelve points in six weeks after Chrissy comes in. So they not only do they win four in a row, they beat the Titans by a point. They and these beat, games are outrageous, by the way. Yeah, they games. beat they beat North Queensland 29-28 when they were down 28-4 with 20 yep. minutes to go. And then they beat the Bulldogs 34-30 in Golden Point. And in all three of them, Chrissy is They were just... also down by like 20 against the Bulldogs as well in that game. That's right. So, yeah, and, like, and, and it was like all... two of the most remarkable comebacks ever in the space of a week. <laughs> like, oh, it was, it was in crazy. All, in, all, in all those wins, Sando is just electrifying. Yeah. Like just so much fun and like so vibrant and so happy. And the, probably that was when I started to really love him, not because of his, not just because of his skills, although he's an incredibly skillful player. What I loved about Chrissy right to the end is when he was playing well and he was, he was so happy about it. He was so, so pumped. He was so excited to, to be doing well and playing good footy with his mates and all of that, you know? So it was good mm. stuff. Well, it's funny because like he only came, he, he like the club was going poorly, but he didn't come in as a result. He only came in because Craig Wing got hurt. That was I had so, I, I had completely forgotten about that. And remember what yeah. a big deal that was at the time. So Craig yeah. Wing had just gone from the Roosters back to Souths. His Riley first Brown. game for Souths is against the Roosters. And Riley Brown hits him with a prowl attack, which they don't really a have. Prowler. Bring it, yeah, don't bring him back. Do you want to describe what a prowler is? So basically it was like where one or two dudes are like holding you up and you kind of it's not quite a cannonball, but it's kind of like that would be the closest in modern day parlance to what I can think of. And like, so like basically two guys were sort of holding wing still and Riley Brown came in and just like launched himself right into the small of his back. And I can't remember what injury it was, but it was something. It was oh, it was some small. gnarly thing. with his, And he missed like four months. He missed yeah, ages, good, man. man. It was crazy. Man, well, there used to be some wild tackles. Yeah. Remember the one, remember the one, I, I think it was called the rolling pin. Yeah. <laughs> A bloke's like uh, a bloke would sort of be on all fours, or his legs would be flat out behind mm. him after being tackled, and you would rub your you would rub your shin or your forearm on his Achilles. Oh. Adam Blair was good at those. That's nasty, Murray. Man, it's fucking crazy. Like mm. you couldn't, you can't do that in the UFC. You know what I mean? Like, no. Oh, it's wild. You know, the one more thing before we move on to what we're actually talking about, because this isn't a South podcast, is. Sandow simultaneously won Rookie of the Year despite only playing 13 games. And he also was named the Toyota Cup halfback of the year. Okay, so I'm pretty sure that that under-20s team is pretty much based on who got to first grade. Oh, okay. Because there's another there's another guy in the team, I can't remember who, but like he only played about seven games in the 20s that year. Mm. <laughs> you know, so... But anyway, that's 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 what that's what we were doing in two thousand eight. We were we were well, Nick was doing his school certificate and I was uh I was, yeah. So Yes, truly living the dream. It was my it was my last year playing playing league for the Rams as well. Oh no. Oh no. The final winter. Pretty much, yeah. The last that's game we played Warragamba at the Oaks. At the Den. We <laughs> at the Den. It was a fifth versus fourth playoff and we <laughs> I lost. Said the dam. It was brutal. I said the dam. I've been a fucking. Oh no, the dam's out of Baragarang, man. It's like you've never even been there. Yes, I have not. That is true. <laughs> well, I heard it was Warragamba. I'm like, yep, that's where the water comes from. It's a big dam. Oh, God, they, were pricks to, they were pricks to play against Warrior. They were the dirtiest yeah. bastards ever. Bet they were hydrated though. You presume so. Their yeah. home ground, their home ground is across the road from the old Warragamba Lion Park. You ever heard Wait, about hang that? Hang on. It was there okay, it can't mean actual lions. Oh yeah. Uh, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Warragamba Lion Park and they had lions in there. It closed in like the early 2000s, something like that. 
but it was around for like 15 years. That's where we used to warm up when we play Warwick. I got to Google this up. Wait, so there was, hang on, there was just like a park in like south, rurally southwesty, semi Sydney, New South Walesy that just had lions in it. Yep. Okay, I'll have to read about this article. That sounds African 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 Lion Safari. It was called. What opened in, opened in sixty eight, closed in ninety one. What? Yeah, man. I'm 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 I'm, I'm telling you. I'm man, telling you. I in ninety five, bro. In ninety five, a lioness escaped the park and was oh, like yeah. roaming through Warragamba yeah. and Silverdale. Fuck yes. Killed a killed a dog. Oh. And 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 then was and then was shot. I. I was happy until the dog. There was another. There was another time when a bear escaped. Where were the bears? I don't know, man. It's African lion safari. You got to have a couple of bears in there. They're dolphins too. They're all sorts of. They shit. did not have dolphins. They did. They had a dolphin area. What the fuck? All right, I gotta. All right, cancel the show. I gotta go read about the fucking <laughs> discount lion safari for three hours because this is remarkable. <laughs> uh, we, we instead of instead of talking about the 08 Raiders, we pivot. And we start um, just talking about weird things that were on the southwest Sydney fringe in the nineties. Coming next week, we'll talk about El Caballo Blanco for 25 minutes. Oh, my God. Mate, Matt Coleman, doesn't he love El Caballo? He christened the MacArthur Rams, uh, sorry, is it Rams? Yeah, Western Sydney Wanderers Derby in the A-League as the El Caballo Blanco. Yeah, I think we're the only two that, that try to keep that Well, going, uh, okay, so people know? don't know this. Like, uh, if you're ever driving that way, there's just like, there's an old, it used to have horses there, and there's a giant, giant statue of a white horse on the side of the road. It's fantastic stuff. That's Southwest well, Sydney culture, baby. I, I, I like... No, no, everyone in Camden spent a lot of time there. Like, it's always home. I don't know a single person that went to El Cabello Blanco. Neither do I. Yeah. So apparently African Lion Safari, there was a guy who ran a circus who wanted to settle down and he didn't mm. want to partner all the animals. So he opened his, his Lion Safari. Terrific. Um. All right. So we are here to talk about your beloved 2008 yeah. Canberra Raiders. So we, we gave you enough other stuff. Yeah. The, from here on out, this is a podcast Buy a Raiders sicko for Raiders sickos. Oh, I'll just leave them. <laughs> just leave um, me alone with my feelings. Well, so the the Raiders were quite, uh, they didn't have the best season in 07, it's fair to say. They finished 14th on the ladder. And well, yeah, I mean, what were your expectations coming into 08, if you can remember? So around this time, I swear to God, every single year, the, you know, the rugby league, intelligentsia as it were would pick the Raiders to finish last mm. every 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 single season without fail you know they ne- they like were never they were never signing any big names they if they did make the finals it would only sort of be in the first week pretty much all the legends from the from the early 90s are gone and retired now they are totally out of sight out of mind they are like pretty much an afterthought for a lot of people and they're always tipped to come last and invariably, they would punch above their weight a little bit. Like, 07 was a bad season, but they'd made the finals in 06. And I'm not going to sit here and say that, like, I was sitting there in February of 08 and saying, yeah, things are going to things are gonna get crazy. This is all going to go great. But I kind of did have some expectations for the season. Mm. And most of that was, sur- was surrounding Todd Carney. Yes. So Todd Carney, at this point, had been in first grade for a while. He debuted... I think a couple of weeks after his 18th birthday in, in 2004. And he was not just my favorite player at the time. He was sort of the first player who I remember hearing about him, that he was coming. I remember hearing like, in 04 and 05, like, oh. yeah, this Carney guy who's playing Jersey flag and playing Premier League or whatever it was back then is like, he he's, he's the goods. He's not just a good player. He could like, this is 
a club that this is a guy that the club can build their entire future around. I remember it being a really big deal in 05. It's only about his fifth or sixth first grade game. And they play out at Campbelltown, which is one of the very few games that I'd ever get to see him. I'd, I'd see him max once a year. And it was a big deal because he was wearing the Raiders seven jersey for the first time. And he was going to play for him for 10 years. And, you know, this is the this is the next great player. This is the next Ricky Stewart guy. This is the next Laurie Daly guy. This is the next homegrown product who's going to lead the Raiders to greatness. And his first really good year in first grade was 06. Has a great season, just running off Jason Smith all the time. The Raiders, who again had been tipped to finish last. Not only had they been tipped to finish last, they lost a trial game to a Queensland Cup side when they were playing most of their <laughs> top dogs. Not great. In the first two weeks of the season, they lose a game to the Knights 70-32. to 32, And then the next week, the Roosters put 50 on them. Again, not great. But they somehow fight their way back and they end up finishing a very credible seventh considering mm-hmm. the squad they had. And Carney was a really big part of that. Then into 07, he's, he's established very much as one of the starters that year. Halfway through the season, he has a major off-field incident that we'll get more into later, but it's related around driving. He very narrowly avoids going to jail, very narrowly avoids the sack. That's why Canberra fell apart in 07, because Todd Carney was out for eight weeks or whatever. When he came back, he wasn't fit, and that's why things went to shit. But having as a, a limited understanding of how footy was, I thought, okay, well, he'll come, he'll play in 2008 and sky's the limit. Like he might play for New South Wales. He might play for Australia. Mm. He And he might be one of those guys who just turns this team fucking crazy and maybe stuff will work out. I don't know. You know, so I was excited, man. I was, that was that age. I was, I was yeah, 15. This, you're always, you're always excited going into a season. This is, this is like the start of Bambi right now, listeners. This is before it all. Oh very, yeah, very yeah, yeah, yeah. Right yeah, now, the, is... the birds are chirping. Everyone in the <laughs> forest is having a good time. What could go wrong? Uh, so, so, first few weeks of the season. Cameron, no, but before but, you move on, what do you remember about how he played that day when you saw him at Campbelltown? Oh, he was he was awful. He was awful. Oh. We got smacked. We got sma- <laughs> we got smacked. No, we got smashed. We got smashed. That was. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the first time. Benji Marshall played against the Raiders. Yeah, right. And he had an incredible record against Canberra all the way to the end. I think he played him like 22 times. And I think he only lost once or twice. That's, that's wild. Like, do you remember? Do you remember? You you will remember it. He's, mm. he, when he was, he was at Souths and yes. they played Canberra down in Canberra. And Canberra got an early lead. And I think George Williams got injured in the warm-up and they were pretty fucked. Mm. They, had a, they got to a pretty good early lead, but Benji just brought Souths back. Like yep. just absolutely skinned him and i was like in the corner crying because i was like was that was this... that the game where we were wearing those weird sky blue jerseys for the air force no 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 that was an earlier game but that was another one that, ben that was another game where Benji yeah, took that over. Against, that was against the titans yeah no but so yeah and so that game out of that game out of campbelltown benji just like wait no it, we, 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 i swear we were wearing those jerseys when um rapana tried to fight him at the end of the game and everyone's like what are you doing man that's benji i yeah, maybe he threw, the flick, he threw the flick pass to aj were we not wearing those weird jerseys at that you're conflating these two games. That flick pass to AJ was also against the Titans. Have I been kicked in the head by a El Caballo Blanca? <laughs> Send him to the Lion Park to recuperate. Yes, exactly right. Well, sorry. Continue. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so Canberra starts the season. They're going okay. Like they're winning some, they're losing some. They're I think they're three and two after five rounds or something like that. They have an awesome comeback win against the Tigers where Carney sets up four tries. And then scores a 70 meter try to put him over the top. And like stuff's stuff's happening, you know. 
crucially at the time they re-signed Carney as well. There was a lot of interest in him. I think the the Seagulls were after him. Penrith were really after him too. He had a really good relationship with Matt Elliott, who had coached the Raiders in the past um, and had moved on to Penrith. But Carney stays, and part of the reason he stays is because he gets on along quite well with Neil Henry. And Neil Henry, uh, there was interest in him, I think, from North Queensland and the Titans, and he decides he's going to stay, and that goes a long way to keep to have Carney stay. They re-sign, or they, I don't think they re-sign on the same day, but Carney commits, and literally five days later, Neil Henry signs a five-year deal to coach North Queensland, which isn't mm. great. No. Um, and the Raiders staff convene and they're like, okay, what are we gonna what are we gonna do about it? And the players say, no, we want we want Henry to coach out the season. So don't sack him. So we'll keep him. So they do. Yeah. And you know, Which so is, then the- is, is, you often see teams sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater in those situations, right? I think maybe that is probably the right call when you consider that I would assume at that time, in that moment, there wasn't a better coaching candidate they could get. Well, it, well I, I think almost immediately they appointed David Ferner, who was the lead assistant at the time, to coach Canberra the following season. But this coach stuff, it was a lot more common back then. Do you remember the year where Brian Smith coached Para yes. and Michael Hagan coached Newcastle? <laughs> but before the season started, they both signed with the other club. I hated that. Like, it's obviously it players so still weird. do it, but at least it's kind of stopped ha- happening with coaches. It's like, it's, it's, I think the game's too like way too professional for something like that to happen now. Mm, I agree. You know, like remember when Seabold and Bennett were going to do the same thing. And after like a week, everyone just sort of said, okay, let's just get these guys moving quickly. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, right. Cause that, that was also very dumb, but oh well. So Canberra, like they kind of just going along, going along by the middle of the season, they're in 12th spot. It's not looking great, but then they play Brisbane at home. Right. And Todd Carney plays well and all that sort of shit, but I want to talk more about Justin Carney. Mm. So you guys know our segment, What About This Guy? If I was selected for What About This Guy, I would select Justin Carney. A big, chunky boy. 100%. What else do you remember? Do you remember anything other than the sheer heft of the lad? Uh, it's not real. Like, it just like all of his highlights that I can remember were just like she just running through blokes on the wing, like just sheer power. And it was just awesome just watching basically almost like a more athletic Matt Utai just kind of barreling through people. And it never really worked out for him. Like I remember being, I remember being filthy that he went to the Roosters because I thought, yeah. Oh, this is a guy that they're going to turn around and make into a superstar. Didn't really work out that way. I think he went on to have a very long successful career in England, but I remember being a big fan of him when he came on the scene at the Raiders and being so annoyed with the Roosters. Signing. Dead set. So he's one of those guys as wide as he is tall but like fast and powerful mm. and explosive. He was a winger or a center. I looked it up later. It turns out he was Canberra's first under twenties graduate to play, to play wow. first grade. Okay. He debuts on, he debuts on the wing against this one against Brisbane, Brisbane, one of the best sides in the competition scores, two tries, four line breaks, 213 meters, seven tackle busts. How good, like just unbelievable shit. Like, and when you're a kid and you see these guys play these games, you're like, okay, well he's going to end up being one of the best plays in the league you know if he debuts like that if he can do that on debut he's only ever going to get he's only ever going to get shout out dylan farrell exactly that sort of stuff you know but like he was like he had a great story to him too he's from like a little town out somewhere near ning and i can't remember the exact name of it but it's like less than a thousand people and he only started playing footy when he was like 15 or 16 really yeah but he was like a gun all-round sportsman he was a gun swimmer good at athletics He, he did show jumping he was a really good bull rider 
Imagining you... Justin Carney swimming is quite like it's breaking my brain. <laughs> like really, a little... Yeah, I don't like it. Eh? He, <laughs> like... like he he's the sort of dude. He has muscles in places other people don't even have places. Yeah, you know, just like all all brawn, just like a human bicep, man. Mm. But it was all natural. It was all farm strong. I found this really great yarn on him from when he debuted, and when he signed with Canberra when he was eighteen, and they bring him down to train, and you know they have the gym there, and they get all the boys in the gym. And he's sort of standing next to a pair of dumbbells, not doing anything. The coach comes up and he's going, what are you doing? Like, start lifting. He goes, I don't know how to lift stuff. Like, I've never what? lifted. I've ne- he goes, I've never lifted a weight in my life. I don't know how I'm supposed to do it. How does he look like that? I don't know, bro. Like, Farmstrong oh. to an absurd degree. His um his display photo on Twitter is him drinking a gigantic glass of, I think, red wine. It might be a stout and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth with a yeah, backwards look, hat things, and like sunglasses life, on. Life hasn't, life hasn't been kind to him, I think. Over I the last disagree. It looks like he's having a good years. time. <laughs> but uh, terrific. Go, 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 Google him later. Um, anyway, and I read, I read in this, he seemed like he came from a really nice like country family too. Like There was a great line in the story about how his family left his hometown at like 4 a.m. so they could drive down to Canberra to pick him up for the game because for big games when he was young, his father would always drive him and stuff like that. And I really thought he was going to be a, a real superstar player. He only gets about seven or eight games in for the Raiders this year, but really, really effective when he does play. Then halfway through 09, he has an awful leg break against the Titans, like one of the worst leg breaks I've ever seen. It's the first time I remember seeing a guy have the green whistle on the field. And then after that, he's out for 18 months. And then he signs with the Roosters and things just aren't really the same ever again. He sort of had a horrible injury that kind of robbed him of a lot of the athleticism that made him special. But Todd, Justin Carney, dude, I I thought the world of him. I thought he was going to be unbelievable. Yeah, mate. I remember remember that guy. Goddamn. A lot of Carneys that him, Brian, Todd, all of them. Like, could have been... (laughs) We could have a team of sick carnies, and it just never really worked out. Does, for a does, Brett, does Brett Kearney make the team? I think he actually does because honestly, he he is one it of the. Was, like, I heard it, I heard it said Carney plenty of times. Yeah, no, I think it is. I think it is pronounced Carney. But um, does Stephen Kearney make the team? He can be coach, so <laughs> win many games. No, Brett was another one of those guys, man. He was another one of those dudes that like had huge raps on him when, especially when Souths are crap. They're like, oh, this this young Brett Carney fella, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna make it out of this pot of dirt. But um, well, Brett yeah. Carney's going to show up later in the story to kick the shit out of my beloved Raiders. How good is that? Uh, <laughs> Colin Best scored four tries in the game. That was the very next week. So they smashed Brisbane, who were a good side. Then they play Canterbury, who were not a good side, and they beat him 58-18. And Colin Best has the game of his life. Colin Best was a – I wouldn't say underrated, but I'd say he was a really solid player that no one really thinks about anymore. Like He was leading try scoring in the NRL one year. Like – this is a dude that like had had some really good years at the Dragons. I thought he was pretty solid for South when he was there as well, and um, yeah, just this was his day against the Dogs. It's I, always, I always thought Colin Best played under a lot of pressure mm. because the second he made a mistake, people could say more like Colin Worst. I will say, um, back when the Burrow used to like sing and do chants and stuff at games, Colin Best is an oxymoron. Is one of the funniest chants that they had going. How do, you, really how, make... do you, how do you chant the word oxymoron? Uh, Colin Best is an oxymoron. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was pretty funny. Very stupid. But um, yeah, no, I always like Colin Best. It reminds me of that that tweet where it says, American sports fans chant defense, defense, and British oh, yeah. sports fans say, <laughs> right, lads, I've composed a little ditty about the opposition captain's drink driving charges. It's an iambic pentameter. I'll count us off. Yeah, it's so good. I love that tweet. But um, Why doesn't yeah. the borough chant anymore? 
I don't. There was like, I'm not we're not getting into this too deep, but like, there was a genuine like Judean People's Front type schism <laughs> in the. I'm not joking. This really no happened. Way, really? I swear to God, in like 2005 or six, like the borough split into like the borough and another group called the Singers End. I think they all. <laughs> Yeah, I think that oh, they all. So um, I think they all. I think the hatchets were buried and the beefs were squashed eventually, and now it's just the bar again. But the it's now more just like people sit together with signs. There's no like singing or chanting anymore. <laughs> I think the the oh, last I relic of that the is the the last relic of that was like I did quite like when they used to sing "Take Me Home." Botany wrote it like when Souths were winning a game at the end of the game. I did quite like that. But um, yeah, it doesn't really have anymore. It's not. A, what, it's not really a sport they, that they, they, they when they pumped in artificial crowd noise. I hated that. <laughs> yeah, um, that yeah, it's it's not really a sport when you think it. It's not really a sport that lends itself to long periods of chanting like cricket or soccer does. So, <laughs> oh, the best is an oxymoron. Yeah, that's so quite, that that's good. good. Yeah. I, I wasn't so. sure how you're going to stick the landing. Yeah, yeah, well, like Colin Best, always a very serviceable player, a capable finisher, all that sort of thing. I always had a bit of a soft spot for him, just because he sort of hung around for so long. He sort of achieved mm-hmm. elder statesman status in my eyes. This is his tenth year in in first grade. But for some reason in this game and over the rest of the season, he just goes absolutely ballistic. He's, this game scores four tries. Three of them start from his own side of halfway. But like he's he's running around defenders like they're not even there. You know, he goes from he goes from being like a pretty good finisher with a, a pretty good turn of pace to just a destroyer of worlds. This is what he ended up doing on the season: 14 tries, 20 line breaks, 103 tackle busts. But he had like signature games as well, you know, like. The, the um, most the most shocking part about that is that you were able to find any statistic beyond tries from the oh, 2008 no, I, think, I, I, think, I think I think I think tackle busts were like the brand the brand new stat that everyone's oh, okay. gonna love. Advanced metric. But like he had signature games. So like he had this Bulldogs one. He had a Dragons game where he went head to head with Mark Gasnier, who at the time a lot of people counted as the best center in the world. I never did. Yeah. I was thought I was thought Gas would right personally. Oh wow. But Best just absolutely scorched him, killed him, stone dead. Like he wasn't even there, you know? There was another game later in the season where he plays Souths, who he'd already signed to join the previous season. And by that point, he's in such good form. He's beating dudes, not just with ease, but with like almost a contempt, like just brushing past them. Ends up getting winger of the year. It's fucking incredible. Mm. And then it never happens again. He goes to Souths and immediately he just turns back into like a, Solid, dependable center or winger, a very good finisher. Like, you know, the kind of guy that you're happy to have on the team, but not the kind of guy where you're like, fucking here he comes. Here comes Colin Best. A career that spanned three decades. I know. How cool. Love that. Love a career that spans three decades. I love, I love starting at a club, going on to have like a long career, jumping around, doing all sorts of things, and then coming back to your hometown club for a couple of seasons. Shout out Paul Mellor. Yeah, that's sort of that sort of gear. I love that stuff. But yeah, Colin Best, I have no idea how. Shit just went crazy. And like the thing with the Raiders around this time is they didn't have a lot of like out and out stars, but they were great at having like, for lack of a better term, weirdos, you know? Yeah. So stuff like a journeyman player somehow catches fire for for six months or Adrian Pertel is another guy who had a great season this year an outside back who was not fast. But like he was, he was cunning. He had good ball skills. He, was a good guile. player. He knew where to be. Yeah, a heap of guile. Couldn't run. Not really. Like, not fast yeah, at all. Running's overrated. But, but just knew how to get it done. Halfway through the season, so Bronx Goodwin's the fullback for the first half of the year. Second half of the year, the fullback is David Milne, who couldn't change direction. 
like was incredibly fast when he ran in straight lines. But like, if you ask him to swerve or step, it's like, no, man, that's not for me. Straight lines always. But he was really good. He averaged like over 220 metres a game this season, you know, and was like a great support player, had a great, great season. But changing direction, too difficult, you know. They had so cool. many guys like that. Or Phil Phil Graham, who... I, I loved think, Phil Graham, man. I loved I Phil Graham, I fucking loved too. Phil Graham. Like, great, but he was a... Phil Graham was great at weird things. He was great at intercepts. He was yes, great. He was. he was great at flying down the sideline and kicking back inside for people. Like they all just had these weirdly specific skill sets. Like Justin Carney, who I mentioned before, was fast and strong and all that. But he was a great defender because he would just sort of knife in at blokes' knees and wrap them up and just use all his power to almost flip them on their heads. It wasn't a spear tackle. I don't know why. But yeah, it's just. I very, did watch that hit he put on Junior Sal just before we started recording as well nice. when he's over in the Super League. Just folds him in half. Just great tackle. Yeah, like, yeah, just all these guys with extremely weird skill sets. It's like in Moneyball how they get Chad Bradford, who's yeah. a submarine pitcher, so he pitches yeah, like yeah, a yeah. weird underarm. Weird arm angle. It's, it's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of like that. They were like, okay, what's the one thing this guy can do and how do we use it to benefit? So strange. You like before we move on to the next part, which is the 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 yeah the here we go main there, core yeah, emotion, emotions about to come to the surface. Before before we go, there, I just want to go ask you because like the Raiders were a team that like they weren't like the most popular team in terms of getting free to air games or getting a lot of fanfare or stuff like that. So what was that like for you, especially at that age where you take everything that's against your team as a slight, you take it all really personally all the time. I remember like there was a big deal. I think it might have been like oh six, maybe even oh seven, where there was a big deal about the Raiders getting like their first Friday night footy game in like eight years or something like that. Deal. Yeah. What year was that? Do you remember? I don't know. I but, don't, um, I, I remember the story. I don't remember what yeah. year it was. Okay. But I just remember like they were a team that I personally, cause I didn't know Foxtel didn't see all that much of just because they weren't on TV a lot. So I saw a lot of Bulldogs, a lot of Roosters, a lot of Broncos. Uh, you know, I would try to go to a mate's house. I had Foxtel if I wasn't at the Souths games, but like the Raiders were a team that like, I only really saw like in the first couple of weeks, the finals or like, once or twice on a Sunday Arvo. So like, what was that like for you as a, as a fan in that age bracket where, as I said, when you're at that age, you take everything that goes against your team really personally. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. I loved it. I was the only Raiders fan I knew. Mm. And I abs- oh, I had a, I had a couple of cousins who lived in Canberra, but day to day was the only Raiders fan I knew. And I absolutely loved it. I was sort of, particularly around this time, because I was sort of at that age where, you know, you want to be a contrarian. You want to be, you feel like mm. if you're thinking differently to everybody else, then you feel like the smartest person in the room, you know? And I Greg's, like... you probably were, to be fair. <laughs> and so at, so with the Raiders, I felt like because because they weren't on TV and because I had to fight harder for them and I because I had to stand up for them all the time, I kind of, I kind of loved that about it. You know, I loved yeah. that they, they were my team and they weren't anybody else's. You know, and it's different now. Now I've got heaps of mates that go for the Raiders, and I and I much much and every game's on TV, of, and it's like oh, everything. Yeah. But like everywhere. I much prefer having that that camaraderie. I love being able to oh, text yeah. ten different blokes after you know Jack White and bites mm. someone and go, bro, how good was that? You know, but like, but back then I loved that it was. It felt like it was just mine. It was just and you and my you thing. Shopped exclusively at Phone Zone. <laughs> I might have Nick. I we told you remember. last week we don't sell bread and milk here. <laughs> Please, I can't leave. remember when I got my first mobile phone. I might have asked my mum to make sure it was phone zone. I might have. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure about that, but I. But I. But I might have. Yeah, I. I. I, I tried to stage a coup to make the floodlights at Marco Reserve from all light, but I uh, never got it off the ground. <laughs> you got to support the team. Yeah, you you got to support the team. Yeah. So, like, 
and you got to remember, winning a premiership is so far from my mind at this point. Mm. Like, it's not something I even think is possible. It's not something. Yep. It's not something that I'm I'm even dreaming about. I'm dreaming of making like the second week of the finals. Like, God, wouldn't that be incredible? So, so what happens? And 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 then like the first time I started to think, wow, maybe maybe something special can happen here. So after that Bulldogs game, Colin Best scores the four tries. The Raiders play the Sharks, who are one of the best teams in the comp, and they lose, but it's not awful. They play Melbourne, who were one of the best teams in the comp as well, and they lose, but it's not awful. Then they play the Dragons, and they play them down at Wollongong. The Dragons have won seven in a row, and the Dragons at this time, you'll remember well, they ever it's it's like a lot of the media were waiting for them to really be great. You know, because you know, until big, 2010, a, they were perpetually the chokers. They were 100%. always the team that got hit with that for like a decade, really. Hundred percent, basically everyone, from 1999 to 2010. Yeah, and everyone was so quick to to sort of crown them and say, "Oh, the Dragons are here!" Like all the talent they've they got. They were all premiership favorites every year. every year, every as sure as the Raiders would be wooden spoon favorites, the Dragons would be premiership favorites all the time. So the Raiders played down at Wollongong, where they hadn't won in uh, a thousand years, and this was the this was the game I got to go to. This season, oh, most awesome. of the time, most of the time, because unless the Raiders came to Campbelltown and then I might get two games in, I'll probably only get one game a season because it was hard for us to get down to Canberra and all that sort of thing. I only went mm-hmm. to, I went to my first, I went to a Raiders game in 06. It was Jason Croker's last home game. Mum made a big effort to get me down there. Oh, and nice. then I didn't go to another game in Canberra till 2016. Like that's, yeah. it was really, really hard for us. Yeah. But this was the game I got to go to because it's down in Wollongong. It's pretty close to Camden. And Canberra played great. They beat him 19-12. Best absolutely shows up. Mark Gaznia, Trevor Thurling, who uh, an unfashionable forward, certainly, who kind of looks like he's, you know, is like part mountain troll or something. Didn't really believe in having a <laughs> neck. He had a great game, really took it to the Saints. Pack, he was set a up, funny looking dude. Set up, set, up, set up a nice try. David Milne has a great game. Uh, Todd Carney plays well. And... They, you know, they it, it was the sort of thing where it's like, oh wow, like this is this is a massive upset. It's one of the biggest upsets of the season. And I was like, okay, maybe there's something doing here. Then the next week they play the Roosters. And the Roosters have the New South Wales halves, the New South Wales origin halves pairing in Mitchell Pierce and Brayton Astor. And the Roosters, you know, always a glamour club, always big time, all that sort of thing. And Canberra beat the fucking breaks off them. They beat him 34-12. Carney has an absolute blinder again. Uh, Terry Campisi plays five eight and plays really well. It was the first it was it was the first time that the two of them combined really well. I always thought that you know I always thought Carney was great. Carney was my favourite. I always thought Campisi was talented, but I just didn't know if it was going to work out because thing like I thought him and Carney were a bit too similar. But in this game, it all started to really work out. They absolutely brain him. And at this point, like you know, Canberra still got some work to do to make the finals. But I was sort of thinking, wow, like we there's something really really you're on the you're on the verge here. You're floating in that. Ninth, tenth area, um, you're, and you're I'm like, the... and I'm yeah, and I'm like, you know who's going to take us there is Carney. Like, this is the making of Carney. This is Ooh. this is all these things <laughs> that not I haven't I haven't dreamed about these things happening for him. I've known they're going to happen. I've believed it with all my heart. I was like, this is it. Yeah. This is how it happens. This is the time. And then Carney never plays for the Raiders again. It's fucking insane. That's the end. But it it it, it it's mind numbing that this. Everything that we know now about Todd Carney that it that it finished like that, like so abruptly as well. Like well, you, so like, abruptly. That you went to a fucking one a... game a year and you went to his penultimate game as a race. Yeah, and there's yeah. no and if you had someone had said to you that day, 
that's the second last game Todd Kynes are going to play for the for the Raiders. You'd be like, what the fuck? Are you, is he going to like? Is he going to sign for the I NFL? Punched, I would have like, punched him talking? in the face. You would, yeah. I was, I was, I was, I was a young man not in control of his emotions. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike now, when <laughs> no, you're a picture of uh, resoluteness and reasonability <laughs> during Raiders game. Oh man, as bad as it is now, it was way worse then. <laughs> I trust me, it was, it was not good at all. Mm. Yeah. So what happened was there's an there's an incident at uh, at a pub in Canberra called the Old Bar None. And there's a complaint from a member of the public that Todd Carney's pissed on him. That complaint was eventually withdrawn. So who's to say if it actually did or didn't happen? But what it does is it sort of sparks a renewed interest in the 2007 incident that nearly got Carney sacked. And I had actually forgotten about how crazy this was. Yeah, it's fucking wild. As a prelude, Carney had a bit of form. In December of 06, he'd got done for drink driving and reckless driving, and he'd been suspended from driving for a couple of years. I can't remember how much. So it's May of 2007. Todd Carney and Steve Irwin, who was a utility back that joined the Raiders from the Broncos. It's not the Croc Hunter. They're driving through Canberra. They're speeding, and the cops flash the lights to pull them over. And they take off through the streets of Bruce, which is a suburb in Canberra. High-speed chase through Bruce. Eventually, they get to a dead-end street. Carney abandoned ship. He gets out and runs. Right? The cops come up on Irwin. Irwin says Carney was driving. Um, the, the, the cops put out an APB, like Todd, like Todd Carney, the ACT's most wanted man. He turns himself in, into police the next day. He gets a 12-month good behavior bond. He's banned from driving for five years, and he has to do 200 hours of community service. He mm. narrowly avoids being sacked by the Raiders. He narrowly avoids going to jail. The magistrate says to him, if you're done on one more driving offence, I'm putting, like, you're going away, son. So Carney avoids the sack. And then 12 months later, he has this incident in 08, and it sparks renewed interest in the 07 incident. Irwin comes out to the press. Irwin was sacked by the Raiders. Carney was retained. Irwin was sacked. Irwin comes out and he says he was pressured by the Raiders to stay quiet so Carney would, would so Carney would stay out of jail and stay on the field. So it's a bit of a PR nightmare. It's all really, really bad. The Raiders offer Carney a plan. It's a five-point plan. So they stand, the plan was to stand him down from training and playing for the rest of the season. No alcohol until the end of 2012. Counseling, community service, and a $20,000 $20, fine. Carney won't do the first two. He tries to negotiate on the being stood down for the rest of the season. He tries to negotiate on the drinking. The club won't budge and he's sacked. And it broke my heart. It's really sad. It broke my heart. I it, was like, I was I was devastated, man. Before we get into your personal feelings, which I definitely want to get into, it's it's just really sad just looking at this as an outside, just how bad his addiction problems were. That like you can t- I can get a ball with point one. He was like, No, I want to I want to keep playing and help the team. Totally fine. But the fact that with his career on the line, it was you either have to stop having a beer or you're sacked. And he chose having a beer. It's just it's just really sad. It just shows you sort of just how deep into it that he was. And it's such a goddamn shame that such a talented player's career was substantially derailed. And I know he came back with the Roosters a couple of years later, but just we never saw the best of Todd Carney. And I think that it's a goddamn shame that we didn't end up with this guy having this storied career as one of the greatest Raiders ever. So, yeah. Like, 
what you're talking about as well, that story career, it was it was just starting. It was just starting yeah. to get there. So I know I go on about City Country all the goddamn time, but he played for country in, in 2008. He played 5-8 for him. And this was back when City Country was something close it to It kind of meant a little bit back then. It, yeah, it yeah. did. It, it, it was a genuine selection trial to some extent, mm-hmm. you know, like Peter Wallace got on the bench for City, came off and play, came on and played 20 good minutes and ended up playing in Origin 1. You know, Mitchell Pierce played for City, played origin later that season you know drilling 22 all draw that year yeah couldn't yeah be split. well and the reason it was a 22 all draw is because todd carney scored a 40 meter try to level the scores and then took a shot at field goal from halfway that hit the post yeah. like he was out there with some of the best players in the world you know like a lot of state of origin stars and he looked he looked like he was better than a lot of them and he has this great run and it looks like it's all coming together and then it just and yeah, and then all of this happened. And like, if you took me back to if you took me back to Cameron, I could show you the exact place I was standing when I found out when I found out the news. You know, like it was it's it's seared into my memory because like, you know, you have a lot of favorite players during your time. Like Laurie Daly was my first favorite player. Then it was like Jason Croker and Clinton Jakowski and all that. But Carney was the first of my favorite players who I remember when he was coming when he was coming up. He was the first guy who didn't belong to another time. Like Daly and Wolford and even Shikovsky sort of belonged to the past a little bit, but Carney belonged, Carney belonged to me. You know, Carney was Carney was my guy. He was my dude. I was, I was on him before anybody else I knew. I was a, and I was a hundred percent in. I was sure that it was all going to work out. And it was starting to work out, you know. I loved him. I loved him to death, man. I remember I think it might have been after that game in 05 where he wears the Raiders seven for the first time and uh my dad has a mate who was the trainer at the tigers at the time so i got to go in the sheds and meet all the guys and get autographs and all that and the first guy i wanted was todd carney and he misspelled his name he's t-o-d carney and then he scribbled it out and went t-o-d-d that's so funny you know what i mean like and and i was and i just i just loved him loved everything about him i loved these stupid goddamn haircuts i loved it like the the, the shitty tats that he got I love the way I loved how good he was late in games. In 2006, I think the Raiders played five golden point games and Carney won two of them with 40 meter field goals. One up in mm. Townsville where the Raiders never won. And then another one at Campbelltown. It was John Scandalis's last home game. And they got like 20,000 people there. And they sat the right, like the Raiders somehow got to golden point. I feel like on every Tigers field goal, they were 48 meters offside. And it was Carney most of the time, but the ref didn't have the stones to blow the whistle. And then with about 30 seconds left, Carney hits this dog of a field goal from 40 metres out that barely gets over the crossbar. And I was like, this bloke's fucking Jesus. Like, I'll mm. follow him anywhere. I love this guy. Yeah, and then I just lost it all, man. Just lost it all. And I hated Carney for years after that. I absolutely despised him. And I, it was one of those things where it took so much love for me to hate him the way I did. You know, I was like, you were like, you were the chosen one, man. You were, you were my guy. You were our guy. You were the guy. This was, this was all meant to happen here, you know? And this sort of started a, a bit of a complex about the Raiders that I kind of still have to this day. So Carney's deregistered for 2009. He tries to sign for Huddersfield and it doesn't work out. Can't get there because of all these driving convictions. In February of that year, he's in goal when he jumps on a car, he smashes up a phone zone. I love that that's like definitely Raiders motivated. Without a doubt, eh? Like he's walking through all the shop fronts and sees phone zone and thinks, (laughs) fucking dogs. And the magistrate bans him from town 
Like, can you imagine that? Imagine getting run out of your hometown. Literally run out of town. He said, he said, mate, get out of Goldman. If like if you stay around here, you know, like I'm dropping the hammer on him. So he goes up to Atherton in North Queensland. And like I remember even then all the stories coming out about how he fixed up his life and all that sort of thing. I think he did and he didn't. He got bashed in by four or five blokes. Um in Nick Sliney. What about this year. bloke? One of them was Nick Sliney in uh January of of 2010 so after he signed with the roosters he lit a bloke's pants on fire at a new year's eve party yeah like what are we doing uh, i mean the the idea is funny but then when you read that the guy's like got burns on his dick and his ass and stuff that's not funny yeah yeah and then he goes and then he goes to the roosters and oh what what a surprise he turns out to be one of the best players in the comp it doesn't and seem fair, does it? And he and he and he wins the Dally M and he takes him to the grand final and all those things that was, he was supposed to do in Canberra, he did him, he did him down there for the Roosters for a club that one didn't even really need him. They they pun him after 18 months. And what do they do when they pun him? Then they just turn around and sign James Maloney and they end up winning a premiership anyway. What happened fair. to Canberra? Canberra got the life ripped out of him for mm. years. Like like Terry we had Terry Campisi, and that was lucky, but Campisi only had about another year in him before the injury problems started. And then the next time they had a couple of really good players who, you know, had some trouble off the field and a guy like Josh Dugan, they end up, you know, tolerating a lot of Dugan shit for years because they were so scared of having to sack him and he leaves and he does better elsewhere, you know? And the NRL never did a fucking thing about it. You know, they did register him for a year. Well, who cares? He comes back and all the good stuff happens to other teams, you know? Yeah. And Canberra have to work so, so hard to find these sorts of guys. It seems you know, extremely like, unfair. The whole system, like Canberra, like oh, you can God, say what dude, you want it, about all the previous indiscretions, the stuff years, with Irwin, like, all that stuff. But like, they got to a point where they said, "You need to straighten up your life, or you're gone." And he said, "No." And they said, "Well, go away then." And that's the right thing to do in that situation. It is the right thing and to they do. got and yeah. they got punished for it. They did. They did. And it was the same thing. It was the same thing with Dugan years later. And it just. It was it was it was so difficult to accept, especially when it's so hard for Canberra to find those guys. You know, if they're coming through your junior system, you might only get a guy that talented every ten years or something like that. And mm. Canberra aren't like other clubs where they can just go out and sign another guy. I'm not just saying this to, to for shots at the Roosters, but I had a conversation with a mate of mine who's a Roosters fan the other day, and I sort of said, "How are your boys going to go next year?" All that sort of thing, and he said, "Oh yeah, I think we'll we'll do well, but we'd probably do better if we sacked Teddy and we had Manu play fullback." And I said, man, that's why no one thats why no one wants to hear your shit because you just said we'd be better if we sacked the Australian captain, mm. you know? And whether they would be... 500-time player of the year. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying that for shots at the Roosters. And the Carney thing wasn't even about the Roosters either. It was just the he fact that... He could have gone anywhere. He could have gone anywhere. Could have, could have gone anywhere. It's not a shot at them. It was just like, man... Oh, it was, just, it, was so, it was so difficult to take. It was so hard. It was so hard to accept. And because of that, my hatred for Carney stayed strong for years and years. Like I used to hate it when Raiders fans would say, let's bring him back. Like my, for me, his card was marked forever. I used to hate it when Jared Croker, who's also from Goulburn would say what a good bloke Carney was and you know, how he deserves another chance and all that sort of thing. I hated it. Even, even when Carney washed out at the Roosters and went to the Sharks, I still hated him. When he came down and played in that semi in 2012, which is the rugby league, rugby league, the Rams game. It's a great game. Raiders, Raiders beat the Sharks. He does his Achilles and like, I'm a bit ashamed of it now, but when he did his Achilles, I was like, good, good. Cop that, you piece of shit. And like, oh man, I hated him so much. I hated him so much. And I'm in a much, like, I'm I'm in a much better place with it now. I understand that sacking him was 100% the right move. If someone was in Carney's position now, I would like to think I would have a lot more empathy for them. 
because he does come from a, a really bad family background. It's clear that he's had some horrible troubles with alcohol. And I think it's clear that for all the good things he's, for all the good, all the, all, sorry, all the things that he achieved in rugby league, I actually think he's had a pretty hard life as well. And I think he has a lot of regrets about how it went down at the Raiders. And I think looking back now with some sort of, you know, some sort of some lessons that he's learned at the school of hard knocks, I think it would all happen really, really differently. But I, I like gun to my head, man. Like I still, I still don't like him. I can't do it. I can't, I can't forgive, man. I can't forgive. I just, I, I just, I, I, I just can't, I can't let it go. And better, better, pay, better, pay, like the reason that Croker and Terry Campisi and all these other guys have been able to is because they're better blokes than me, and they're able to keep this in perspective a lot more how, than how I can. And, and if this happened, if this happened to a Raiders player now, I would be able to keep it, it would in be a lot different. more perspective. I would, yeah, I would, would, I would, I would be, I would like to think that. Like it's a different circumstances, obviously. But Jack White and leaving, like obviously, I was, I was upset, and we memorably sparred about it on the show. I wasn't upset. I, like I wanted White to stay, but I wasn't upset because he was leaving. I was more upset because, to me, it was, like it, it reminded me of, it reminded me of this stuff. It reminded me of when Canberra were made to feel small because no one at the NRL would stand up for him. No one at the NRL would say, "Well, no, it's not right that they've done the right thing here, and another club gets rewarded by it." Yeah, you know that 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 white and stuff. That's a hangover from this, mm. you know. So, I was yeah, ask, man. How, how did you feel? Um, so, our friend Jack said that uh, I don't know if you've gone and actually watched it, but our friend Jack said yesterday that um, Tani was on James Graham's podcast. I guess second James Graham podcast match, uh, and he said that he that's a good that's in. a good show. You guys should listen to it. The it one is. with Web, the one with Shane Webb, he's awesome. Mm. Uh, and he said he looks back at disgust with his own career and he wished he could have spent the entire thing in Canberra with Croker trying to win premierships for Canberra. I mean, do you, when you hear him talk about the disgust and the shame he feels in his own and what he did, does that change your feelings? Oh, that, that makes me like when I say I don't like him or whatever, I don't I don't know him as a person or anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, I, I don't like him based on like child like honestly, I was a child on 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 you know teenage emotions about how you feel about your footy team and how you feel about your heroes and all that sort of thing. Like if, if I met Todd Carney tomorrow, I'd happily shake his hand and say good day and all that sort of thing. I don't, I don't hate, I don't hate him. You know, I think that's important. I don't hate him as a person. I hated just this whole saga. And I, for a long time, when you went for a long time, when you're growing up, I feel like you don't think about footy players as, as people as much as you should. You think about them as, as guys you see on TV or guys that you see at the stadium. You don't think about them as, you know, people with families and hopes and dreams who have had good and bad things happen to them all that. And that's a really important part of growing up. So when I heard that and I heard about all the shame and the guilt that he felt, I actually felt really sorry for him that he's got to carry that sort of stuff around, you know, because yeah, it's, 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 it's a tough thing for anyone to hear. I'm, and like, like I said, I'm sort of, a, I'm sort of ashamed a little bit that for a while there, if he got injured, I'd be like, yeah, that's great. You know, because even if he, even if he, even if he did the club wrong or anything like that, that doesn't that doesn't mean that bad things should happen to him. Like I, I'd like to think I'm not a vindictive person. No, you know, I, I want, I want, I want, to, I want, to, I want Todd Carney's life to work out, and I think he's doing okay now. I think he had some pretty tough years after a time. I think he's up on the Goldie now, captain coaching a team, and I think he's sort of said, "I'm going to keep playing footy for as long as I can because I really, really need it." You know, and 
he says he wanted to stay down there and play with Croker and win premierships and all that, man, that's what I wanted for him too. I wanted that. I wanted that more than anything, more than anything, you know? So if we, if we get him on the boom rookies basketball team and you can finally work together, maybe that'll, maybe that'll be what you need. I don't know. That I, I don't know. I feel like I there'd be a like, lot of people with a lot of sledges for Todd Carney in a baseball game. But yeah, it's it's it's. I could I could never feel the way I felt about Todd Carney about any other player because yeah. I know we I say it all the time and all that shit. You can only have things for the first time once. Yeah, you know. And there are when other players, other players who came along who I loved as much as I loved Carney, like Jared Croker, chief among them. Josh Dugan for a little while. Josh Papali, he's up there. As well, you know, all the Pommy guys as well and all of that. And Canberra went on to do great, great things and all of that. But yeah, the the Carney, the Carney stuff, it's 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 it could it could only happen to me at that very specific time in my life, you know? Yeah, it's 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 when you it's the combination of everything you said about how the Raiders struggled to get players, how it's it's difficult for them to secure top line talent along with the emotional capital that you've invested, not only in that season, but in the years prior to that, basically, ever since you'd first heard the name Todd Carney and heard about this guy that was going to be the next big thing for the Raiders. And it was panning out that way at that point for Canberra. And when you put so much stock in something like that, it's really just, it's it's really yeah. confronting to just have it ripped away from you because it's so rare that that can happen. Like you can have guys leave, but it's usually, there's usually writing on the wall or you can kind of see why they did it. Like, you know, I don't have anything to the level of Todd Carney, but obviously I had guys like, Chris Walker or Ashley Harrison or I mean Adam Reynolds at the end of his career like all, all those instances it sucked that those guys left and I love those guys but it wasn't like in the in the in the case of the first two it wasn't like we were close to really doing something special anyway and it's not really like they went on to big hit the hit the heights until Carney did the roosters like walk out a couple of good years and Harrison went on to be a pretty good player for a while but never like you know never like that level and yeah. with Reno and with Reno he'd already given us premiership and he'd given me so much as a fan and so like there's not really a guy that I can think of or have had a similar experience. But I know that like when you lose a guy that you care about so much, it sucks. But to have it to happen so suddenly and to have it happen for reasons that it's just when it boils down to it, just so preventable. If, yeah. if people, if, if, if he and, and he just has a better support network and he just takes the rehab stuff a bit more seriously, if all that stuff happens, like, it's not an exaggeration to 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 say that like if that situation pans out differently, the entire history of the Canberra Raiders as we know it since two thousand and eight is just in the last is completely different. Like there's a world yeah. where you have a there's a world world where you have a premiership title in in that window. Like there there were years where there were years where you like Todd Carney would have been a difference maker in big games. There's 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 a, there's there's, there, there's so much missed opportunity there. Well, I, I went for, back. I went yeah. back and watched a lot of Todd Carney highlights getting ready for this. Um, there's almost no Carney Raiders gear on YouTube, which is a real shame because yeah, it's annoying. played some great footy. But yeah, watching him in those that those years at the Roosters and even at the Sharks, you're like, holy God, he was so good. He was, he was so good. I think we sleep on how good he was at the Sharks as well. Like he was the Dalian runner-up in 2013 by I think it's only by one or two votes. Mm. So he he nearly he nearly did it again, you know, and even down to the last NRL game that he played, it was against Brisbane and the Sharks were, you know, getting us, they were, had all the Asada stuff going on at this point. Things were really, really rough for him. And Carney was in and out of the team for reasons I don't even remember now. They play Brisbane and he leads them to a stirring 20 point comeback, scores two tries, sets up three. A couple of days later, he does the bubbler stuff and it all falls apart. But right to the end, he was just like, 
an unbelievably gifted footballer, as gifted a footballer as I think I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And I think an important thing to remember here is as well is that Carney had he, like I, I understand this now because I'm a I'm a grown man and I I have a much I, I like to think I have a much better understanding and a lot more empathy for guys who are in these sort of situations who make a lot of mistakes and kind of can't get, get out of their own way. Carney probably did have to leave Canberra if he'd stayed there and he kept drinking. I think he would someone would have ended up dying either himself yeah. or somebody else he needed he needed that he needed that change um and i think canberra needed to to put the foot down at some point as well and the long road that canberra walked back to respectability starts with with with, with how they reckoned with dugan and ferguson and carney all leaving and they were like well we can't be we can't allow this to get that bad again we have to stand up for it a little bit a little bit more, you know. So, but that's a that's a man's perspective yeah. that a that a boy of fifteen years Correct. could not have, you know. And like I said, it took a lot of love for me to hate him as much as I did. Of course, mate. And it's 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 just different when you're that age too. Like it's different when, like obviously, rugby league's still our lives now. It pays our bills, and it and it you know it's something we look forward to every week. We talk about it every day. But there's just this level of precocious passion that we can't have anymore that we had when we were teenagers well, you and don't it just know. makes you, everything yeah. that happens everything that happens around you in your sphere of fandom whether it's a player you'd like or dislike whether it's your team a team you hate all that stuff it just makes that stuff seem so much more important and more personal just because that's how you view the sport at that point in your life it's it, it's it's so all-consuming well you don't know what life's like right no because you're just a kid so your 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 experience. So so you 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 take football as being what real life's like, and you don't understand that like you know, Carney grew up in a small town where he was always a really known person, and like it was, and you don't understand like how a guy could have a really bad relationship with alcohol. You don't understand how there can be people who aren't who aren't problem drinkers, but like one is too many because after one comes a thousand. You, like you don't know these things. You can't know these things because you're just a kid. You're just a boy. You know, and like I said, if, if Carney had stayed in Canberra, maybe it's great and maybe all the things I wanted to happen would have happened, but maybe it gets really bad and maybe something happens to Carney that he never could come back from, you know, not as a footballer, but as a man. Mm. So I, I I have a lot more perspective on it now. Um, yeah. But man, it's good. hard. It's hard. Like those emotions, you never forget them. You never forget them. What year was it when your mates got you a cameo from it? <laughs> Yeah, that was that's the postscript. So the Todd Carney, this is the last bit of the Todd Carney talk. Uh, yeah, someone, someone a couple of years ago got me a cameo. Great, great stitcher. Got me a cameo from of, of of Todd Carney, and um, so me and me and me and this friend, me and her, we used to always have these blues about who was better, Sean Johnson or Jack Whiten, and I always thought Sean Johnson, and she always said Jack Whiten, and so the cameo was like Carney. She got him to say that like, oh yeah, Carney. Um, Oh, what would what would have been like to stay and win a premiership with the Raiders? And he sort of says, Oh, yeah, you know, like I had some great years there and wish I could have stayed and played with Croaks and all of that. And rah, rah, and goes on for like a minute and a half. And then with like two seconds left in the video, it's very clear that he remembers he's got to do the other thing. He goes, Oh, Jack White's better than Sean Johnson. <laughs> so <laughs> don't know if that's the best gift I ever got or the worst. Uh, it's definitely the funniest. It was very funny when she showed me, I cracked yeah. up laughing. But um, so. You, there's no more Todd Carney, but the boys, they're not oh, deterred. Yeah. 
Oh, man. They come now, out the next week. They come out the next week. So they're playing Gold Coast, right? And Gold Coast is sort of like on the cusp of the eight. They're okay. They're not great. Everyone tips against the Raiders. The only person that didn't, a redheaded prophet named Paul the Fat Man Vorton, who tipped him on the footy show. And yeah. I remember watching it because the game's on the Saturday, the footy show's on the Thursday. Canberra had sacked Carney on the Wednesday. And Fatty said, I had to put my tips in on Tuesday and then I can't change him. If I could, I'd change to the Titans. But he didn't. He <laughs> stuck with the Raiders. The Raiders, the Raiders beat the Titans 46 to 4. And Terry Campisi has an absolute blinder. And we're we're about to enter the the, the spring of Campisi. Oh yeah. Here we go. Here we go. So Terry Campisi, he'd been around for a couple of years at that point. Like he debuted in 2004. And years later, I found out. His debut in 2004 was the first time I went to Canberra Stadium. It was a Friday night against the Panthers. So oh, that was always a fun little link. But he never really seemed like a, a great fit. Like he didn't, he played a couple of games in 05, didn't play an NRL game in 06 because uh, he couldn't couldn't crack the top squad. Played a little bit in 07, but was error prone and and like nearly went to the Brumbies because the Raiders were looking after, uh, looking at going after Trent Barrett. Him and Carney were well, both very talented players, but I think they were probably a little bit too similar in their pomp. They were both big running five eights. Um, but by the time we get to this point, by the time we get to round 20, 2008, they're pretty much out of options. Todd Carney's gone. They had Michael Dobson there the year before. He's gone too. They had Lincoln Withers, who played a bit of hooker and a bit of halfback. He's gone as well. Campese is pretty much all they've got left. He's in the halves with a guy on debut named Mark Herbert. Hmm. And I actually did a yarn about... Campisi in 2018, about the 10-year anniversary of this, this run that he has. And I sort of said, what changed? And he kind of said, well, I knew they couldn't drop me and they didn't have any other options. So I knew I could just play the way I wanted. And the way he wants to play is just gorgeous run and shoot footy, spread it from your own end. Like, let's let let let's let's really go for it. Let's really like crank up the pace. And they play the Titans and they absolutely smash him. And that starts up one of the great individual form runs I think I've ever seen from any player. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it was – so you, you have that game, a fantastic win. Doesn't go as well next week. You play, you know, the Broncos, who are, you know, a, a pretty good side up at Suncorp, and it, it, it doesn't go to plan. You get, I you think get I think, I think think the, the team would have put a lot of emotion into that Gold Coast game. Yeah, which you see all the time, Carney. right? And it, then there's, hard, and then there's you always get that little hangover. They play the Bronx, they get smashed, whatever. But, but then the next week – they host they host the uh, the eighth place Panthers, and you know it's twelve all after about twenty minutes. Like you know, could go either way. And then Canberra score sixty two points in a row and win seventy four twelve in one of in one of just one of the zaniest, most incredible games I think has ever been played. Seventy four points. It's so that's many. That's so many points. And it wasn't like this. So the Cowboys scored seventy four this year, right? And that's that's a great thing. But they were playing a ratchet, awful Tigers team. This Penrith team was in the top eight. This Penrith team won by fifty the next week. That's like this funny. was a good Penrith side. And you know how I know it was a good Penrith side. So There's Matt Elliott, receivers in it. Matt Elliott, who'd coached the Raiders from two thousand and three to two thousand and six, left the Raiders to go to Penrith. And when he went to Penrith. He gave a press conference and I remember him I remember him saying, you can look this up. He said, I'm really excited to have a team where I have the cattle to win a premiership. And I was yeah, like, right. well, what, what, the, what the fuck were we? Chopped liver, man? Like, mm. And they, the Raiders were good under Matt Elliott. They made the top four in 2003. Yeah. They made the top eight in 2006. So a very respectable side. And it just sort of played into that whole like 
No one cares about us. No one rates us. Everyone wants to make us feel small. And it's like, all right, man, let's see how we go. And it's like, you reckon you got the cattle now, Matt? Pop that. I've since I've since come to have a bit to do with Matt Elliott. And I understand. Yeah, he's a really, he's, nice he's a really This is another one of those things that only a well. really angry teenager would get. No, absolutely. Of, yeah. of course. Because of like course. he was right. He was going to a Penrith side that had won the comp a few years before. He had guys with premiership experience. I totally get where he was coming from. But at the time, I was very, was very vindictive, very angry about this shit. Can you, can you rattle me off the Terry Campese stat line? From this I sure show? can. Four tries, nine goals, two try assists, three line breaks, four line break assists. Hmm. I got what Timmy rating Williams. did he get in got, rugby league week? Well, I got. Well, we're getting there. We're getting there. I got Timmy Williams, super coach uh, guru, to run the numbers once on what Terry Campese would have scored in super coach hmm. if, under under the current rules. Wait, could you get the run meters and shit for this game? Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. All right. Yeah, he had like 170-something run rates okay. or something like that. I got Timmy to run the numbers, and he would have – Campese would have scored like 350 points. I don't know. It's, it's incredible. I have no context for that. It's, well, it's a lot. It's a lot. Okay. Trust me, dog. Right. Campese score on the field, he scores 36 individual points. The only that, two that, players – That I do know is quite Who a lot have ever points. scored more points in a match are Dave Brown and Mal Meninga, and that's two immortals. You know, Camp, like Camp, it was – it was an incredible. It was an incredible, incredible day. And um, at the time, rugby league week was still a really big thing. And I'd get it every week. And like the guys who wrote for it, were my heroes, and all that sort of thing. And they had the player ratings for every single game everywhere. And it was a big deal to get a, a rugby league week deal. ten. It, re- it really was. Like to to, kids, to tell you to to give people. So today my nan, know. my nan used to tell me about the time Peter Sterling got a ten. Yeah, because like it happened like once. Yeah, and it happened. Peter Sterling. It, it happened like maybe once every five years, so it was a it was a really big deal. And because I loved rugby league week, I was already developing a love for for you know rugby league journalism and the written word and all of that. I was like, Terry Campese is going to get a ten. This is going to be amazing. Like this is this is going to be real recognition of what a good player he is and all that sort of thing. He didn't get it. He got a nine. Ridiculous. Did you ever find out who was responsible for it? I can't remember. I can't remember. I I, I used to. I you would have. You would have written. Did you write a letter? I didn't write a letter. No. Oh. I I kept all my rugby league weeks for for years and years. I've thrown most of them out now. But um, I would have. I would have had it somewhere. Definitely. I remember he was on the. He was on the cover. I remember that. But like there were other great things in this game, like Trevor Thurling, that unfashionable forward that I mentioned before. Yeah. He scored a hat trick. You know, Canberra were just. I think they. I think how many tries did they score? I can't even remember. I can't do the maths quickly enough. Thirteen, I think. Thirteen tries. I'm pretty sure like eight of them started on their own side of halfway. They just tore them to pieces. And this is one of those games where whenever it's on Fox League, I'll get calls about. I'll get like, yeah, Campo's game is on. Like you better, you better tune in, man. You know. I remember I taped it on our Foxtel IQ, and I kept it for years afterwards. Love, I love that. If I had a bad day, I'd watch it to make myself feel better. If I had a good day, I'd watch it to celebrate. You know. At the time, it was it was the well, it still is. It's the equal third highest score that any team's ever had in premiership history. Yeah. You know, just remarkable stuff. And there was little things to to love about it, like the Thurling, like the Thurling hat trick. Like um there's only six and a half thousand people there. But love that. Dear friend of the show, Ray today assures me that it was less than half of that. It was so cold apparently that they just threw the door. Well they got open. double that the following week. Well yeah. For the so same time slot. They throw, they, they, <laughs> oh, sun, Sunday, 2 o'clock, that's where the Raiders that's, live. That's man. Raiders time, baby. Bro, from round 17 to round 20, oh, from round 17 to the end of the season, so it's nine games, seven of them, Sunday, 2 o'clock. 
Fantastic. The good stuff, man. Anyway, Dave tells me it was so cold they threw the grandstands open and just let everyone sit up there. You know, that's I didn't nice. actually, I didn't actually watch this game live. That's the that's the other crazy oh, part. I, well, I watched, I watched. We want another fucking walk of the Kokoda no, Trail over the fucking. No, no, I, I was, I watched the first half with my old man at his place, and he had to take me back to to Camden to Mars place. So we listened to the second half on the radio. So I remember like the the the, the ABC call. I remember like getting the paper the next day and it was on the back page and saving that paper for years and years and years, you know, it was such a, such a, such a seminal game for me, man. Like, and this is sort of like these couple of games are the real emergence of Campisi as, as Canberra's next guy, like the, the fellow who stepped into the breach when Carney went away. And I needed that so badly. I needed like a new hero to believe in because I'd had my heart yeah. broken. And not only is this guy awesome, not only is he breaking records, he's got the same fucking name as me, man. Like in that Titans game, there's a bit where he sets up a try and he's going there to to line up the kick, to take the kick. And Greg Alexander goes, oh, you know, we all thought Canberra would fall about apart with Todd Carney, but he's the man, Campo. And I was like, that's me, like, that's my it, name. That's me. It's like, it, it, it's oh, again, this can only happen when you're a boy. I felt like it was happening to me. Yeah, I felt like it was happening to me. I felt like I was a part of this in some weird, stupid way, you know. And it was just—it was so exciting. Canberra. So the next week they play the Knights. They beat him thirty-eight eighteen. Campisi is remarkable again. Four try assists, three line breaks, two line break assists. They play Souths the following week. You got to remember, as we said at the start, Souths are like full of piss and vinegar at this point. You know, Chrissy's there. They're doing a lot this of stuff. This has they're to be up, a scoregami, by the way. Bro, they were up 19-6 at halftime. <laughs> Canberra end up winning 40-25. There's no way there's another 40-25. Oh, they might have been back with five-point uh, or something Maybe. Like I don't know. I don't think so, though. So, Campisi is absolutely flying, and it's so exciting. And But what's happening around him is everybody's getting injured. Everybody's getting injured. And injuries had sort of struck Canberra all through the season, like, Will Zillman, who was their fullback that sort of found the year before, he only played three games. Phil Graham only played three games. Lincoln Withers, their starting hooker, only played about six or seven games. Like Carney buggered off. They released Mick Dobson early. Troy Thompson, who was a really key forward, he hurt himself as well. And it got to the point, so it's round 25, they're a couple of weeks out from the semis. They're sitting in sixth spot and like, who'd want to play him, man? Who'd want to play these crazy Raider dudes who are chucking it all around the place? Mm. Guess around 25, they've only got 17 fit... 17 fit players left at the club. That's crazy. And, and they only have that because Campisi has a hamstring strain. Shouldn't have played. I remember watching this game. He could barely walk. Like he's playing 5'8". Alan Tung, God bless him, love him so much. He's playing halfback. And he's having to do all the kicking and all of that. And because Campisi's out, they're gone. Like they can't do anything. They play a Cowboys team that lost 17 of their last 18. And the yeah. Cowboys win because without Campisi right now, there is nothing. I want to like I, this is all about Campisi and Carney and my feelings and all that. But how good was Alan Tung? I fucking loved Alan Tung. Well, it's a shame in a lot of ways that like he was such a good player. But like the first thing that ninety nine percent of people will mention if you ever talk about Alan Tung is the sign. Who needs Willie when you've got a great tongue? Great, great sign. Great yes. sign must be said. But I mean, um, he was such a good, such a tough player, such a versatile player as well. Yeah. Like, could play hooker, could play lock, played halfback a few times when they needed him to. Man, I tell you, I reckon he's someone. If he came along now, I th- I think people would the game be a would lot suit more him well. Him. I think. Yeah, I think so. I think so. He got he got lock of the year twice in two thousand six and two thousand and eight. Yeah, and twice more of than course, <laughs> if he was from Queensland, he would have played 
oh, origin performance. Forget about it. Like, without, without question. And he wasn't a big man either, right? He was what? No, like he wasn't. Six he foot, wasn't. Just like five foot 11, six foot, somewhere around Oh, there. mate, not, it, not, man, not even. Not, I've, I've met him. He's not that. Because I'm 5'11 okay. I'm myself. Yeah. He'd be a good head shorter than me. And he, and like, he, he wouldn't have, he would be, what, 85 kilos, something like that? Yeah, 90? about that, but just like super yeah, so. tough, really skillful, a great defender, like broke the record for tackles in a season, I think, in 06. Um, and a great a great leader for the club as well after after Shikovsky left. And I remember in in that 74-12 game against Penrith, he scores a he scores a try he scores a try right under the post, gets up and like kisses the badge and all that. And I was sort of like, yeah, you know, we we don't need so County, we got each other, you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah. To finish up oh. Raiders, Raiders finish off the season with a breezy 52-34 win over the Bulldogs. With Campisi this- killing it again. This Bulldogs team is generally one of the worst teams I have ever seen. Okay, so it is Campe- absolutely Campe- horrendous. Three try assists, two line breaks, two line break assists. He kills it again. But this, you're right about this dogs team. Like, let's go through it a little bit. Well, Hasm should not be playing fullback, but he is. So that's a good Hasm, start. Not only was Hasm playing fullback, this was in the middle of Ramadan. So oh. they're playing. They're playing at two o'clock on a Sunday. When else would they play? Yeah. And I remember Hasm. He. He wasn't drinking water during games. He'd like put it in his mouth, swirl it around, and spit it out. Just, just saw the water. Like, has yeah. So not only is it Ramadan, they're making him play a position where he's got to run around a lot more than usual. Yeah, uh, Heka Nano and Matty Utai on the wings. So okay, Jamal's playing. Jamal Idris and one of Jamal's first games. Uh, the author of Cloud Street, I believe, playing <laughs> playing in the other centre position. Um, ben Roberts and Super League legend Daniel Holdsworth in the halves, and then oh, this is the good stuff. Jared Hickey, Corey Hughes, Chris Armit, the, the the engine room, some would say. Gary Warburton, Andrew Ryan, fair enough. Frank Winnerstein playing lock. And then a bench of Brad Moran, Charlie Liano, Reese Blaney. I've genuinely no clue who that is. And Fred Briggs. Is he a boxer? Freddie Briggs. It's a good boxing yeah. name. It is. What about Frank Winnerstein, bro? Mate, I'd forgotten he played for the Bulldogs. When, um, when sort of. Wait, uh... what the fuck? Where, where was he? Like, how many games did he play for the Bulldogs? And why? Like this was so long before his pomp. What? What? Well, did, did he? Did he have a pomp? Really? Well, okay, but in the context of, hang on, I'm just he went, he so went, he played, he went and played, he played he went five and... games for the Dogs. He doesn't play NRL again for eight years. Yeah, he what went the played, fuck? He, he played a bit of Super League and he played um played rugby sevens for a little while and all that. But I, I remember when when he no sort idea of, he played for the Bulldogs when he sort of when he sort of re-entered the the. The discourse because of mm. his uh, wow. because of his wife's opinions. Um, I didn't think it was the same person. <laughs> I thought, oh, oh. Wow, there's, there's two Frank Winnersteins, and they both. Well, there was, I mean, there was two Dane Lorries. There was two Sioni yeah, Katoas. Yeah, why not? So that 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 Bulldogs team, the Raiders beat them nine tries to seven. Wow, Corey Corey Hughes one memorably the, one for the neutrals. One for the neutrals. Corey Hughes memorably slotting a sideline conversion. I'll give you five dollars if you can tell me which American team Reese Blaney went on to play for. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> I'll say, well, the easy one's the Jacksonville Axemen. It is not the Jacksonville, but I won't Axemen. say that. I'll go the Boston Thirteens. It was the uh, Fairfax Eagles. Ah oh, man, no love yeah. lost when the. No, the Boston 13s take on the Fairfax yeah, then, then, yeah, I genuinely never heard of that guy, but he played two in a row games and that was it. So Good for him. Good for you, Reese. So Canberra end up making the finals and they make the finals in six. Terry Campisi robbed at the Daly M's, might I say. Yeah. Didn't didn't win 5A of the year. Can you believe that? Uh, who did? Greg Inglis. I mean, he's a pretty good player. Yeah, he is. But like 
Campisi finished three votes off the overall Dally M lead. Mm. You know? Yeah. I mean, but that goes back to my old argument about the Dally M sucks because, like, punishes players on good teams because other good players are taking votes off them. Whereas your whole thing was like, Terry Campisi was surrounded by, like, some taped together children and, you know, the ghost of Mal Meninga as he single handedly dragged them towards the finish line. Greg Inglis was, Greg Inglis was on a team where everybody owned boats. That's and true. Terry Campisi was on a team of taped together children and guys who like, worked on boats <laughs> they, they finished their shift down at the shipyard and they yeah. uh the canberra shipyard they loved, famously. They, loved they loved to take a pontoon out onto lake early <laughs> griffin a famous port city canberra um and then yeah <laughs> the, they port, the port of canberra <laughs> <laughs> some guy some like crooked local politician runs on a platform of building like a marina so yeah where yeah, so again, I, I'm starting to see a consistent theme here, but playing into my whole no one respects the Raiders and I mm. hate them for it thing. Yes. I was certain Campisi was not only going to win 5-8 of the year, but that he might win the Dallium. Winning the Dallium is probably, uh, in hindsight, was probably a bit insane because it is only about well, if the eight, Carney thing happens a couple only about weeks eight, prior, it's he might only about eight it, right? weeks of great footy altogether. But but hey, I mean, Jared Haynes won Dalliams on eight weeks of great footy. so That's true. That's true. But, you know, going into the... The first week of the finals, McIntyre system. It's Raiders Sharks up at Shark Park. And I'm feeling good, man, because like we've got Terry Campisi and through him, anything can happen. Um, the injuries had continued terribly for the Raiders. At this point, they've got Glenn Buttress playing halfback. Mm. They've pulled up, uh, they've got Marshall Chalk who'd moved to the back row. He's out on the wing. Like it's it's just like I, I didn't realize this at the time, but they really had been stretched to their absolute limit. And making the finals even in that way was a was a pretty when, fair rap on him. I'd actually forgotten about this. Like, wh- what was the reason for Marshall Chalk switching from like sort of relatively quick outside back to back rower? He was never that quick, man. Mm, he was never that quick. Yeah, he was always he was a pretty good. He was a pretty good player. I him a, being a pretty decent outside back, he'd be a valuable player to have now, wouldn't he? Because mm. he could still he could still cover the centers or wing, but he was yeah. very much a back rower at this point. You'd love to have him now. No. Anyway, so they go down and they play the Sharks in the very first set of six. I think it's Brett Seymour goes for a big cutout pass. And Adrian Pertell, who was graded intercepts, raced up and gets hands on it. And there's nothing in front. He's about only about 30 out from the line. Nothing in front of him. And he puts it down. And if Canberra had scored that, it probably would have made all the difference because they were up against a very experienced Sharks team, very hard-nosed Sharks team. Like mm. a Sharks team that has the first embers of what they'll become in in when they go on to win in 16, you know, hard-nosed, really rugged, strong defensively. And Canberra get nervous, not really not really up for the fight. There's, it's like if there was a team designed to sort of shut down the freewheeling shit, it'd be this shark side. And the Sharks just sort of beat the brakes off them, you know. The immortal Miss Italia Papa scores a hat-trick before halftime. Yeah, we've given some people some NRL grid gold today, like yeah, Miss 100%. Italia Papa or Trevor Thurley. Put them on your your... Next time there's a scored a hat trick box, chuck him in you, there. You know he's still playing. Miss Italia Papa. Where? For, playing somewhere uh, in England. I'll, I'll, I was going to say Batley Bulldogs, but it might actually be Batley Bulldogs. That's your go-to answer for. Uh, sometimes I say Lee Centurions, but I think yeah, they're too good now. Lee are too good now, right? For yeah, me to say are. that as a joke. Uh. But yeah, like they kind of like the Sharks sort of piece them up a little bit. Brett Carney has a great game at, at, at fullback. The Raiders get the Raiders get they have a try disallowed in the first half. I think that would have been another thing that could have really. Settled in that Colin Best sort of turns back into old Colin Best. Things don't really work out the way they had been for the last couple of months or so. 
Terry Campisi gets spotted up in defense big, big, big time. Um, yeah. Gallant, Paul Gallant, it's like I found a, uh, an article from during that week where Paul Gallant says, yeah, we're going to go after Terry Campisi. Like he better be ready. Like we're coming at him. Campisi makes 31 tackles, which is the most he'd made in a game in his career at that point. And he, the magic just sort of, just sort of run out, you know, Glenn Buttress is playing halfback. Like, what are we going to do here? All right, but it's fine because you finish sixth and seventh and eighth always lose, so you'll get another week, you get another chance. Well, and then my beloved McIntyre system came back to bite me. You got McIntyre, baby. I did. We got, we got, we got McIntyre. You know, the you Warriors had that great win. Whole podcast the on on yeah. the game that broke Campos' heart when the oh, Warriors. Oh, that, that one, that one, that one, not so much. Because even if the Warriors had won, or even sorry, even if Manly had won, the Raiders would have gone up to Brisbane next week and got fifty put on them. Yeah. Like they were, they were, they were, they were done. They were at the end. I want to just do a quick aside. So mm. looking for, for I was looking for some articles on this Raiders Sharks game because it's not on YouTube. So I wanted to get a bit of a sense of it. And I found the article from earlier that season when Paul Gallen got done for squirrel gripping uh, Gold Coast forward Josh Graham. Mm. Someone asked Josh Graham about it after the game. And they said, how'd you react? And Josh Graham gave us this incredible quote, which I'd forgotten about. He grabbed my wheels and gave them a squeeze. I looked at the ref and said, what's doing? And now we say that all the time. Well, do we say wheels all the time? No, we say, <laughs> you just, you know exactly what I'm talking about. No, but I'm saying we bring back wheels. Oh, we should bring back wheels. But when life grabs you by the wheels. <laughs> when life grabs you by the wheels, you look up at God and say, what's doing? And he says, give me one set. One set. He says one set. Yeah, it's worse to lift by. It really is when you think about it. But yeah, so it was a, a real roller coaster season for Canberra. And we're sort of at the end of it now. Like Campisi makes mm. the World Cup squad, only plays the one game for Australia, gets poked in the eye and has to go off early. Oh. So that's a bit of a shame. <laughs> Poor Terry. Yeah, it, it never really gets that good for, for him again. Like he's pretty good in 09, plays for New South Wales. He's really good in 10. And at the end of the season, it looks like like looks like he's really starting to put everything together as a footballer, but that's when the injuries start and just a shitload of knee and groin and ankle injuries. And he just sort of by the end, he kind of couldn't run and it all sort of ended in tears a little bit, but um, I'll never, I'll never forget. Oh wait, I'll never forget how sort of he was such an important person for the club when they really, really needed it, you know, but then the postscript to this season Mm. is 2008 is the first year of the Holden cup and the Raiders in the Holden cup win the minor premiership. And then make the inaugural grand final. They play the Broncos and they win in Golden Point. It was awesome. Yeah, and you you you've definitely written about that since. Yeah, I have. I continue yeah. to mind my childhood for. No, content, it's awesome. Is... I, I didn't mean that. I oh, sorry. I, I, I know that might have come across snarkily. It wasn't oh no, I'm snarking myself. Oh yeah, I'm just saying people should go read it. It's good. Yeah, but like we've got some we've got some fun under twenty stuff coming a bit later. But like, what do you sort of remember about it that first season? I remember it being so exciting. I had a couple of mates at school who were playing in it. And it was so cool because, like, oh wow, it's on Foxtel and it's before the, ball's all the games, yellow. and yeah, the ball's yellow. And it was, I remember um, being sick. Hey, eh? I remember my least favorite thing would just be whenever I was at like family things and the Toyota Cup was on, and someone would be like, Oh, the Roosters are losing. I'd be like, No, it's, it's under 20s. They just, oh, you were that guy. Fans. Did you well, push well, your glasses to... up the bridge of your nose as you said it? Uh, yes, yes, I did. <laughs> didn't wear glasses back then, but um. Yeah, no, dude, I I got super into the twenties. Well, I mean, I, I went to the twenty ten grand final, which featured uh, Todd Carney, uh, purely because Souths were in the uh, in the Toyota Cup grand final. Yeah, well, which, I was which at, they lost to the Warriors. I was at the 08 NRL grand final, and I would have gone no matter who was playing. But then Canberra being there was a really cool thing. And this is the last premiership in any senior grade that Canberra's won. 
you know, yeah. and some of the guys on the team, like there was Josh Dugan and Drew Lowe and Jared Croker, Daniel Vito, Trav Waddell, Sean Fenson, Justin Carney. And I was like, these are going to be the guys. And I couldn't wait to see how they break my heart in new and interesting ways each and every week. Mm. And then that, that Broncos team was red hot too, man. I had Josh Hoffman, Jarrell Yaye, Ben Hunt, mm. Andrew McCulloch, oh, Alex yeah. Glenn. Yeah, it broke watching Yaye in that game. Right, wasn't but, something else. Oh my god, you would have yeah, this is gonna be the you're best game in the world before you, long. Yeah, you talk about remember where you were when thing happened, that 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 injury. God damn. Oh, absolutely brutal. We had Toyota Cup. Uh, South's last ever coach in Toyota Cup was uh Ryan Carr, that dude that was coaching the Dragons for a few weeks this year. Only guy to play Holden Cup and coach in the Holden Cup. Is that right? That's right. That's a great bit of trivia. Right. But yeah, up. so and so by the end of the oh wait, Raiders, things that sort of come full circle a little bit, you know, like because in Campisi and Josh Dugan particularly, I sort of had two guys, I had the two guys that were going to kind of make everything better now that Carney was gone. Like I loved, I loved Dugan at that point. Like got man of the match in the twenties grand final as well. Like he looked like a super, super football. I remember they all compared him to Brett Mullins and yep. the way he moved and that. It was really exciting stuff. Again, didn't end well, but what can you do? No, what can you do? You know what's funny is I just look at the 08 Toyota Cup season again. So Eddie Payer, who played halfback for Scouts, was uh, the, like the one of the runners up for the Player of the Year behind Ben Hunt, along with uh, Ben Barber and your man Matt Mundine. But then he was not the halfback in the Team of the Year because the aforementioned Chris Sandow, his own club teammate, who was not nominated for Player of the Year, was the halfback instead. Shout out to Eddie Payer making his NRL debut in 2006, and then mm. playing under 20s. Yeah, like right. That. Because that I always mean, broke I, my brain because Eddie Payer was one of those dudes that came I along like really, in that. Yeah, I really rated Eddie Payer. I thought he was a yeah, really good man. player. Mate, he was one in that long, long conga line of like dudes that would play halfback for South. I think this is the one. This is the guy. Mick Moran. Mate, Joey Williams. Uh, I still believe in Joey Williams. I, I, still think, I still think there's something in the tank. Yeah, he's, he's, he's seemed to have carved out quite a nice sort of second career for himself as well with all these off-field. He does. He's doing great things. Joey He's doing Williams. some really important stuff. So. And to take it to take it full circle, that's a that's that's sort of an indication of you know how guys who do come from troubled backgrounds or who have some really tough times can put themselves back together. You know, and that's something that I understand now that I didn't understand back then. It's okay, mate. Um, as long as you understand it now. Um, that was it. That was the 2008 Raiders. That's what it, man. You? Thanks for going uh, on this emotional journey with me, guys. Uh, do you know, all right, this peak, so I looked up what Marshall Chalk was doing now, and he is a uh, local councillor in part of the Scenic Rim Council area. Do you know what his area that he presides over is called? The Scenic Rim? I, I don't know where that is It's at in all. Queensland. Not okay. important. Yep. I swear this is true. The the area that he is a councillor of is called Carney's Creek. Oh, no way. That's awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, wow. What are the chances? All right. Well, that was that was 2008 Canberra Raiders, uh, and I, I feel that's feel sad for you. I want to give you a hug, but we're doing this on Zoom, so I can't. Oh no, uh, it's okay. I'm all right now, man. That's. I mean, it's it's fine to feel sad about things. No, it is. Fine. It is. But I don't. I don't. I don't feel sad about it anymore, man. Like again, that's all right. It's like it's like. Yeah, do you still? Well, I was going to say, do you feel bad about your high school girlfriend breaking up with you? But you married her, so I did. Yeah. So you yeah. avoid that situation. That's kind. The trick to never it's, feeling bad is just have never have anything bad happen to you in your life. It's a, oh, that's what really? I recommend. Yeah, that's what you should do. Oh, okay. Like, I never, never thought yeah, of it like yeah, that. Yeah, it's actually yeah. great. So, mm. No, I'm good now, man. Like, you know, oh, wait, Camp, I probably could have used a hug. Actually, well, he, probably now, used, but... he probably could have used a good talking to. I'm going to give you a hug when Jack White wins the Clive Churchill this year, when he deserves it, when we win. 
I'm oh dear. I, I, uh, I, I will never bond with you over Mick Moran again. Oh, don't say that. What about Eddie Payer? No, that's a lie. That's a lie. Nah, yeah, yeah, we're back. <laughs> so I'll play the Todd Polglaze card if I have to. You would, right. wouldn't you? I would. Why wouldn't I? All right. Before we get out of here, quick thank you to people top two tiers on our Patreon. Let's go to patreon.com forward slash because you get an extra show every week, access to our Discord server, Andrew next year's Coltrane Cup, merch, discounts, and plenty more. We've been a little bit slack on the questions. We've got, a, we've got our question type Christmas special coming uh, in, a, in a few days, so stay we tuned do. for that. There's a, there's, a, there's a twist on that that I think you guys yeah. are really going to like. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we did a little bonus Patreon pod yesterday with a couple of Tigers fans talking about the Tigers news, so you can go listen to that if you'd like to. Thank you to Chris Savnell, Dave, I guarantee Ricky Stewart is an Elon Musk stand. Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Broncos legend, Adam Reynolds, Bruce the Pom, Butsy, Chivakas Nafalavagas, Dan Cullinay, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, he remains an English man. Hi, I'm Mitt Bertrand and I have redacted. I also went to school with Bungard. I was saying Boo Owens, Jason, Joe Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, kicks us out of the comp, Lachlan Haircock, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Midmore, Mads Taylor's version, Matthew Duggan, Michael, the climax of the Supreme Game of Rugby League, El Masri, trailing by one to win it. He has got it away. It has got there murray mr beefy morgan watkins my favorite artist on spotify rap was books my name is nick campton and rugby union is my favorite type of rugby my ding ding dong is hard and i'm sad never trendy origin monster to club monster form line royal commission reese brown rodrigo eduardo rodrigo eduardo go i did it a bit quieter this week because i think zoom automatically like cuts your mic off if the noise is too loud you were too, too, too passionate I was, yep. You just love balls too much. Mate, who doesn't? Roxanne Clark, see you in Vegas, Ty, the black vegetable, the combat vehicle. The outro music is a vibe of 1.75 times speed. Thor, Tom Hardy, tragic news tonight. 120 dead in a tidal wave in Kuala Lumpur, <laughs> France. Was, we're now offering shouts to everyone in the top, uh, everyone in the lower tiers, and everyone's listens. All listeners, please send five Australian dollars to at the Bungard on Twitter.com. Westlife Podcast and the Piasco Fiasco. Well, have I got some news it's for over, you, baby. Josh? It's yeah, I've got, it, I, I've, got, I've got that downloaded to listen to. They did a, they did an hour on it yesterday. Uh, I, did, I, I did confirm no chopper chops were eaten, but I'm sure some champagne was popped. Uh, whoa, I never got my buns, but it's what that's what Rough Belly was doing last week. It was misery business. So the oh, fact that oh, nice. Okay, yeah. you should have caught that. Well, I mean, I, yeah, sure. Uh, and you'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. Uh, it's everyone's all, everyone's giving their name, so I'm not. The cadence throws me off every week now. Um, what do you mean? So thank what you. Do you what do you mean? What do you mean? Sure, they're your favorite band. You should have got. Yeah, but like, how am I supposed to just necessarily read that as that? No, you're right. You know. You know. You're you're right. I should have done better, and I apologize. But thank you, all of you, and to everyone in the lower tiers, and everyone just listens. Thank you as well. Do you think Ricky Stewart's an Elon Musk guy? I don't think he knows who Elon Musk is. I he he has a real distrust of technology. Absolutely, like like, like worse than me. If you tried to get Ricky Stewart in a self-driving car, he would refuse. He would, yeah, and he'd be right to do so. Yeah, there's no chance that Ricky Stewart is a fan of Elon Musk. Hmm. Maybe, or maybe he's. I don't know. He doesn't know what a podcast is. What are we doing? Come on. He likes to sit at home and listen to the wireless. Yeah, of course he does. I mean, just (laughs) he's got a lot of opinions on politics. None that I share. (laughs) All right. Lazio, I don't think like. Hate to go back into the O-Raider oh. stuff, but I forgot to mention, Ricky Stewart was the coach of that Cronulla Sharks team. Yeah, that is ironic. Yeah, there you when go. When did he come to Canberra? 2014 was his first year. Wow, that late. Yeah. Way before that. Yeah. There you go. Oh, good year, 2014. We'll talk about that for now. For some. Yeah. No, no, no. You oh. you got to talk about the O3 Rabbitohs for an hour. No, I don't want to do that. That was painful. But we did it. <laughs> that was fun in a way. It makes you appreciate what you've got when you go back to the days where you have nothing. That's right. Say goodbye, Cambo. Goodbye, Bertrand. And it's goodbye from Nick.